Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today, and welcome to episode 296 of the Ham Radio Podcast. It's your boy. I'm Dustin with Last Stand Media and Handsome Phantom. You caught me off guard there for some reason. I think it's because Carrick usually goes first, and he's not here. So I was like, yeah, I didn't think of that. But yeah, Carrick's not here. Carrick's uh, technology is just waging a war against him, so he will not be making it here today. Um, so it's just us two. We we received some some words of encouragement, some some kind words from the audience when I was streaming about how much people liked our dynamic. Me, you, or me and Carrick, or us three together. You're not really getting a bad episode, no matter what the combo is. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, this week's show, I got to be real with you all up front, light on news. So it's going to be heavy on patrons and their questions and a lot of banter, I'm sure, which uh, this will prove to be a, a enjoyable episode. I want to address one thing, though, before we get into all the business. Uh, so for some reason on the YouTube end, there has been a weird ass bug. And I'm not exaggerating. There's been a weird bug. I've talked to Dustin about it on multiple occasions. When you upload a video, I'll give you guys a brief breakdown of the process. When you upload a video, you can preset where ads will go. So you can say every 20 minutes, and you can pick the exact time if you want. And so what I do is typically every 20 or so minutes, I'll run a YouTube ad. If you're on Patreon or I don't know really what, I I can control some of the ads as well on our mobile versions. But for the most part, we just like the conversation to be there. And we really don't monetize this, this platform. For some reason though, YouTube has not saved our ads. So what happens is when they don't, Dustin, you can speak to this. All of a sudden, they fucking load it up, dude. They load it up and just place tons of ads all over the place. Like, I'm talking 50 in the first 10 minutes. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's always, like, front-loaded at the beginning part, it seems like. But... It's almost like YouTube knows what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you would think, I mean, it has to be a bug of some kind just because it's like no one wants to watch a 10-minute video that half of it is... Or even the first 10 minutes have it be ads. It's like, I don't know. It seems ridiculous that they haven't fixed it yet. But So I just want to make the audience perfectly aware that what happens is I won't notice it because I will schedule it, set the ads, everything will be in place, and I will take my weekend off. And then I'll check the comments like later on and see, hey, why are there so many ads? And, And by the way, our audience understands we need ads to generate revenue and all that. But there is a limit to that. And so just know we're going to keep monitoring that. But if you do see a shit ton of ads all of a sudden, just be patient because YouTube's bugging. Sometimes, like, if I schedule a normal upload, that's fine. But my podcast, they just ignore it. And they just go, hey, let's load this thing up. Uh, with that, though, of course, if you want to support the show and our ad craziness, head over to patreon.com slash plays where we're nearing 400 of you. Holy shit. Uh, you can get early access to the show. We're going to do our first monthly Q&A this week. Uh, so that'll be some bonus content. That's kind of our sub out for Extra Slice of Ham. And we're going to be doing bi-weekly patron-exclusive videos. So we got something on the docket for that. So a lot of content being pumped out over there. Of course, pretty much all of that will end up going live to the public. Like early access isn't necessary. The patron videos go to the public eventually. So 
Uh, it's just a place where you can support and uh, help out if you would like. With that, though, uh, enough of the self-promo. Dustin, we have very little to talk about, but let's go ahead and banter a little bit about some of the games you're playing. What have you been up sure. to? It's been it's been a couple of weeks, actually. Like, that's really... It's, I know, it is weird. Stint. It's been yeah. on and off. Yeah. Now, Maddie, you said that we're done with self-promo, but I have to self-promo myself now in relation uh, to games sorry. because I finished Dark Souls 3 again on uh, okay. my stream. And I have to thank the ham audience because there are many of you coming to my stream over at twitch.tv slash justincamfly. And I appreciate that very much. And I'm glad... Maddie, we've talked about there's a nice crossover going on between uh, Last Stand Media, ACG, Mr. Maddie Plays. All of this is just kind of like forming together. We got crossovers all over the place. It's and exciting. so it means a lot, especially when people come in the stream and they're specifically from this show is super cool. So personal invitation to anyone out there. We are done with Dark Souls 3. But the key thing, Maddie, is that this was the first time I played the ringed city dlc oh, i've seen that yeah that's just pretty hard. good that's just hard i watched the friend yeah <laughs> it was kind of what was what was cool about it was pretty much the entire game with a one or two exceptions i did the entire game solo but i've had some some folks on my stream helping me out whether they're uh just through chatting or whatever mm -hmm. but i made it clear that i wasn't co-oping with viewers just because it, it can get it you know you're waiting for people to join in it's a hassle the very last boss though mm. i brought in two viewers that had been with me for a while to to beat the final boss together okay. so it was a very nice uh poetic finale <laughs> to my dark souls streams so so what's next i don't know what's next honestly like <laughs> i don't want to like make my streams just souls but i'm kind of like man it would be kind of fun to play demon souls again oh, okay so i'm thinking now that i have a, a schedule for my streams where i'm doing like monday tuesday wednesday and occasional weekends it's thinking like maybe certain days can be dedicated to certain things mm. so i don't really know what's next other than i know a little tease maddie you and i are trying to figure out currently a stream between the two of us Yes. Hopefully in the near future involving some new games. Well, one of them would maybe would be a new game. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean though. Yeah, there's uh, so, there's there's some streams in the making. Um I and that's the thing. You you're you're in a good position where you have like a thing that you're constantly going to to stream. I play mm -hmm. so many different games. Like I've been on a Mega Man kick lately, and I'm like, I don't know if I can really stream that. Like it's fun to watch. I'm not like mm -hmm. a Mega Man pro, but I don't know if that's my audience. I like to play RPGs, of course. Sometimes those can be slower. I remember one time I streamed Metal Gear Rising. Yeah, so it's, I don't know, man. It's just like all over the place for me where there's no consistency because I'm, while I am doing RPG coverage, I do play a lot of different things. So it's cool that you've sort of found a groove somewhere where you're just doing Souls content. Yeah, well, and it's weird too because I've asked the audience, like, what do you guys, do you want, games where we play the same game for a long time do we want to try switching things up and what's cool about my my chat is that they're like we don't really care for the most part because we just enjoy hanging out and so if you're having I a good time that yeah. i was like dude that's awesome i really have appreciated that so but as far as off stream 
uh, I've been playing Yakuza Like a Dragon. Oh, that game looks so good. It is. So I'm not that far into it yet. I'm only on chapter two. But so far, I have to say, I'm much more intrigued by it than I was with uh, Yakuza 0. And the RPG stuff in it, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's cool. Yakuza fans know this, and they've known this for a long, long time. <laughs> but what I love about the series is that there's like this really serious story throughout it the main story but it's also like at the same time like balls to the wall insanity somehow at the same time and it makes sense and that's what i think is so neat about it so yeah i don't have too too much to say on that but other than i'm enjoying it i'm playing it the playstation 5 Mm -hmm. version they just released that update if you have the ps4 version you can update can't transfer your save though yeah i saw which is weird really weird it's been because a problem other for company, playstation yeah other companies have solutions for it like crash bandicoot you can transfer your save it's not the most ideal it's not quite xbox level uh compatibility between current uh last gen and current gen but still a little odd yeah and it sucks because i was one of those people who was like smart delivery such a you know, this is such a PR loaded statement. You know, it's it's going to be the same. PlayStation's got this, no problem. And it all it took was like PlayStation just kind of fumbling the ball on a couple of games to be like, oh wow, smart delivery is like a thing. It's not just you know words, right? I think that's huge uh, for the transition, at least. Yeah, with Yakuza, I got to ask. You know, you played some Zero, so you've seen the beat 'em up combat. What do you mm. think about that versus turn based stuff? Because I love turn based. But I have to say, Yakuza's beat-em-up stuff, like, really, it gelled with me. And I'm kind of hesitant yeah. because of that. The turn base, honestly, Manny, it's funny. I, Like I said, I'm only on Chapter 2. So the combat has really not opened up to me okay. very much. Like, I just finally got a second party member that's with me. But I do like the fact that there it's more than just... Um, it's more than just like attack, defend, whatever. There's like if you h- press the circle button right as you're getting going to be attacked, you'll do a block. Oh, so it's a little bit more okay. interactive in that way. Plus, it does keep the series signature move where if you are near like a bike or a bench, you don't have to tell your character to just to pick it up. They'll automatically just pick it up and like <laughs> wail on somebody's face with a bike. It's awesome. Yeah, that game looks so good. It's one of my my things I've neglected when it came to the end of last year. Uh, just because with Next Gen coming out and uh, a lot of games that I had slated, I, I decided to, to skip it. And I think I made the right choice, right? Because I finally got through Fire Emblem. That was something that was hanging over me for a long while. Um, and so I did get through some games that are on the backlog. But that's one that I'm looking at and I always think about it and go, man. Because I would have owned it and probably played it by now. Uh, there was this when when the PS5 launched, I went to Target to get the games because um, I thought that GameStop would have them. They didn't have any, and so I went to Target, and they're like, "Oh, we're buying a buy two get one free." 
So I'm like, oh. I'm going to buy Miles Morales. I'm going to buy Demon Souls Remake. And you're going to give me Yakuza. And so they're ringing it up. And for some reason, it wasn't going through. And it's because on the day the PS5 came out, they did a buy to get one free for PS4 games. And I'm like, who's? Come on. No one's going to be buying PS4 games today. Well, they probably yeah. would be for Back and Pat. But you get my point is that uh, it was it was very much feeling like the, the fate was stacked against me. But I took it as a sign that now is not the time for some Yakuza for Maddie. Uh, but I'm excited to play that. You you got me a little hype for that. That yeah, game looks that game looks hilarious though as well. Yeah, I um. So Maddie, something else I wanted to bring up to you is that so there's something I feel very badly about right now, and oh, I don't no. know what to do. I don't like to hear that. That is, I can't get into Persona Five Strikers. Whoa! Holy fuck! Hold the phone. What happened? Are you okay? No, here's the thing. I'm not disengaged, but I'm not, like, loving it. How I, far I, are you, out of curiosity? Not to I'm about off. to... I just finished the first jail. Mm, that makes How many sense. jails are there? Is that a spoiler? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't say there's that. There's a number they give out, and it and it's... I'll just say, if you don't know that, that it, I'll say it's more than that number they gave out. Oh, okay. So, Definitely one of those, it's over. No, it's not. <laughs> kind of moments. I just, uh, I, I feel like I'm not really meshing with the combat, the actual gameplay, but I am enjoying being with the Phantom Thieves. Again, I'm enjoying the story aspect. So hmm. I did, guys, you can leave your comments. You can go ahead and leave them. I put it on easy hmm. just because... I'm like, I'm just, I'm here for the ride. I'm here for the ride. I get and that. since I put it on easy, I've been having, I'm feeling more compelled to play it. I get that. I, I'll talk about a game that I I didn't do that for, but there are moments I will switch things. And um, what I will say about Persona 5 Strikers is this. The first two jails are thematically identical to Persona 5 if you played the base game. Mm. And so okay. there's a couple of things here and there that are different. Um, I shouldn't say thematically because the first jail is in its, you know, we'll just say Persona 5 is about really abuse uh, and that type of stuff where in Strikers it's a different form of abusive power. Um, but they're they're thematically structured the same and especially the second jail where I remember Dustin, I got to be real. And I said this in my review. I was about 10 hours into Persona 5 Strikers. and I was like, this is all right. It's okay. And mm. it's after that someone woke up and went, what are we doing? We're following so closely to what the base game is. And it's not even one of those moments for those who have played, they'll know where, you know, you look back at those two and you're like, it wasn't good in the moment, but now with everything complete, I appreciate those more. It's not even that it's just, they didn't do anything to like really set up. They're just overly familiar. Didn't play a major factor in my opinion, but the, after that, full steam ahead it is a good game but i get that the the first 10 hours i think they really were hoping you would love the combat because it's not turn-based mm. like that's what i think they were going for and that's why you know i think it's a, it's it's precisely what i wanted it's a, a good addition to the persona 5 storyline they handle their characters well the combat's enjoyable albeit it gets pretty spammy towards the end game but it's not nearly it, it could have been so much worse and right. Atlas does a good job handling their spinoffs more than anyone I know in this industry. But I I think I'm, I'm curious how you'll feel after you finish the second jail. If you do, 
Yeah, no, I'm Matt. Dustin Furman will be finishing Persona Five Strikers. Mm. It's just, it's just not like on a on a fast track, which is weird for me. But I want to every time I play it, I'm like, is this the time that I'm gonna get sucked in? Which here's the other problem. This is a personal problem, not a problem with the game. I bought the game on PC, and I'm playing it with my uh, the controller, and I'm not streaming it. And there's something new that's happening in my life, Maddie, where PC games feel different now that I'm spending so much time on my PC for work. Ah, so, welcome. Welcome. <laughs> yeah. I, I do not like this reality. I've been, this has been my reality now for the last three months. Not that I wasn't doing a lot of work beforehand, but... <sighs> My work my work day is weird, Maddie. Like basically I'm working really strongly up until noon and then I'm usually done doing stuff at like two for last stand. And then it kicks up again around seven or eight where I have to get everything ready for the next day. So it's like publishing work in the morning, production work in the evening, in the afternoon is when I do all my producer shit where i'm like emailing people or trying to line things up stuff like that but either way Hmm. it's a lot of time spent on my computer whereas it used to just be like one solid chunk so i'm trying to figure out what that uh what that balance is which some people are like never play games on your work computer or or have two separate devices. I'm like, I can't fucking do that. (laughs) Like my my work computer has a 3080 in it. I mean, for a reason, because it has amazing export times. When you're fucking exporting three-hour podcasts twice a week, that's extremely helpful. I'm not going to buy two 3080s. I mean, I theoretically could, but I'm not exactly that liquid. Like, yeah, it's yeah. it's just wouldn't it would not make sense to do that. Yeah, there's that separation that's important. It's why I'm sitting here in this studio space when we record these shows. You very rarely see me working out of my bedroom now because I'm in my bedroom a fuck ton. So, you know, for me, it wasn't nice to go relax in my bedroom because I was working in my bedroom. So I like relax in the living room and then go back and play games on my bed. It was weird, man. Um, so I get that. Yeah, it's it's a weird separation that a lot of creators and and workers in our type of content experience where um, just being, even if you're playing a game, being at a different station makes a difference. Now, Maddie, in your office, do you have like, well, I guess not with next gen. It would be really hard. I was going to say, do you have consoles for the office and then consoles at home? That was the plan, um, but I am a good sibling. So my brother, uh, he is he's my older brother, but he, you know, he's getting back into gaming. So I was going to take my PS4 and my 1S here for if I needed to play anything. I can borrow them whenever, but I gave them to him. Um, but I do have a separate TV and I have a, I put in quotes, a lounge room. I'm in there every now and then. Uh, normally I'm in this room here. This is like the main work room. Uh, but yeah, I do have a separate TV in there. I have brought like Ghost of Tsushima here when I was reviewing that. I brought that here to play because I had a couple of hours. Uh, but nowadays, it just seems like my work fills out any, not even like I'm looking for it, but I've had so many days where I'm like, I'll take my Switch with me because I think, oh, I'm going to have like two hours easily. And then all of a sudden, it's time to podcast. I don't know what happens, but your time just gets chomped up because you don't think of the little things like, 
taking the picture for the thumbnail, then editing the thumbnail, the little things that you got to find, the right background, editing it, uh, waiting for the edit to come through if someone else is doing it, downloading it up, just the little things, add those minutes, and suddenly you've lost time. And I don't regret it, but it makes that separation you're talking about all the more important. So when my that's why like with the ads that we didn't notice, when my weekend when my work week is done, it is done. I don't care if I lose views because I don't upload on Saturdays. It's done after Friday because we we podcast dude, to like to. seven eight at night, and it's like, dude, I need some time for myself now. Right. Yeah, I I was asking people again comments. I'm ready. Oh, no. Co- people get made make fun of Colin because. He has a PlayStation 5 on his downstairs TV and in his bedroom. And I kind of thought it was silly, too. Mm. But with my new streaming, where I'm doing streams three, four times a week now, I have my PS5 up here in my office. And there's times where I want to chill downstairs and play games. And so I'm lugging this fucking giant fucking box up and down the stairs Mm. multiple times a week and at some point i'm like okay i again guys i'm not i'm serious i know there's there's a point where it's like is it worth buying a second like how much time am i spending and how annoying is it over the course of you know an entire year is it potentially worth not not for scalper prices, obviously, but mm-hmm. would it eventually be worth buying a second PS5 so I don't have to do this? Which I know there's some people like, well, Dustin, it must be nice to have money of two PS5s. I'm like, no. <laughs> no I'm it's just not a flex. W- I, I, I get what you're saying because for me, I, I have my camera set up behind me. For those who are watching on video, you can see the tripod. You know, typically I have to carry my equipment back and forth every single day because I don't like when during the winter here. I don't know if I'm going to be like locked at home for a couple of days. So I can't just leave my stuff here. So I am lugging my tripod, my camera, all my, my external hard drive, like everything. Like I'm just lugging my, my setup back and forth. So I get that. And like, I've had to bring my systems here before. And yeah, if I had the extra money or if I had the desire to, I don't stream enough, uh, where I feel like it's, it's needed, but, um, you know, I totally get the idea. And it's once again, one of those things where I think most of our audience would understand, but because it sounds like right. we're talking from a point of privilege, but it's really just that the amount of time you save when everything is set up uh, and you're good to go. Like I've left my camera here and it's spot where I can just walk in. And if the camera's right where you left it, where you have to pull up, in my case, pull this chair over in front of the, the bookshelf there and then just sit down and record, like it allows you to transition very easily into that flow. Uh, that you want to be in when you're working. And it's it's one of those, it's a, it's a unspoken thing and it's very much an invisible thing that people don't anticipate until they start doing it a lot. And those little right. tedious things, it's not a point of privilege. It's just like, it, it allows you to get to the part that, that you need your most energy for. You don't want to spend time lifting and lugging consoles and all that stuff. Not because you're too prissy to, just because you want to focus on, let's get to work. Let's stream, right? right? Let me sit down and stream. Like, that's it. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is like, I think I'm probably too much of a cheapskate, even if it's a like, and you know, this is the thing, Maddie, I'm sure that you have to consider regular regularly also is that it's like a PlayStation five for us or, and all of our next gen consoles are business expenses. Like this is, we need those. <laughs> I, no, legitimately no, like they, they are, they, they are. are. We need them in order to make the content that we make money from that literally keeps us alive. As so, are the games, as is the equipment. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Right. Yeah. And so, 
it's hard to you know we love video games this is why we do what we do we we have always loved video games and so we're mm-hmm. so fortunate to be in the position where video games are our job but at the same time a console is not just a a toy it is a piece of equipment that we use to generate income which sounds slimy when you say it like that but people have to generate income to mm-hmm. survive that's how the content gets made yeah yeah i feel you on that yeah it's it's it, it, i think people are going to appreciate this segment because it's a little look behind the curtain at sure some of the business and and the back and forths and it's not like we're acting like oh it's so hard man i gotta lift my ps5 no. some people don't even have a ps5 but, oh what was me now it's just like the little things that you do to like because if you're driven creatively sometimes that's not always going to be the most monetarily sound move at least in my case like people right are, people are associating me with like xbox stuff so for me making a vita video it's like i grinded that out and stuff and you know is that the most savvy business move no but you want to get to that creative state as soon as possible and you don't want anything right. getting in the way yeah yeah i'm in i'm in agreement and that's the thing is that uh it's funny. I was thinking about. Um, I debated heavily on whether or not to buy one of these Elgato key lights because basically, right now, what I'm doing is that any money I'm making on my streams, I'm putting back into making the streams better. So this Elgato key light was around two hundred dollars, which like I nearly I was like, is that could that possibly be worth it? And then I was thinking, I'm like, Dustin, I so I before I was working for last hand media i worked in video production at an actual video production place for seven years i was like oh we would spend seven or two hundred dollars on a light no question for Mm. professional production work like that's just video equipment is expensive and once i like switched my brain i was like oh yeah this is this is something that i'm going to use for not only the streams for sacred symbols for ham radio literally any other thing i do $200 $200 is a sound investment for something that is high quality and convenient for the work. So I don't know. It's always, uh, I don't know. I'm always thinking about like cost analysis, whether it's worth it. I will probably never buy a second PS five for, uh, for streaming. It's just always like every time I move it, I'm like, Hmm, kind of nice to have a second PS five, mm. but I won't. I'm too much of a cheapskate. <laughs> Uh, oh, speaking of what you were saying about Persona 5 earlier, just oh, to transition yeah. back to some game stuff, I mentioned a game that like I had to sometimes switch stuff, and that was... Uh, I've been playing Final Fantasy IX this week. Um, oh. Yeah, I, I've... Uh, not even this week, just the last week and a half or so. I am about 20 hours into the game now, and it's been nice because I'm, I realized I've been playing a lot of fast games. I've, I've played like the whole gear series pretty much. Uh, I played Persona 5 Strikers. That's another fast beat em up. And so, you know, to go to an RPG where it's old, so it's slow, there's a lot of dialogue and some awkward cutscenes where you have to like use your imagination to fill in some blanks. Uh, it's actually been more refreshing than I expected. I got it on my Switch. I just want to sh- say a special shout-out to Square Enix, who did one of the laziest jobs with a remaster I've ever seen. Uh, the load times are still abysmal, even on newer hardware. Like, you will load into a battle, and it'll be a black screen for, like, at least 10 seconds sometimes as it figures itself out. Uh, it's really fascinating in that regard. Uh, but 
to the point I was making is that since it's an old game, there are some parts that are imbalanced. I haven't really had to use this mechanic outside of twice, but there's a high speed mode. There's a safe travel mode. So you can turn that on and then like run around really fast and find out where you got to go. There's a 9,999 damage mode. So it's kind of like your story mode difficulty. You can just one hit everything like bosses, everything. And then there's a battle assistant. So if you don't want to use the 9,999 mode, but you want a little help to restore your health and pee, you can enter this mode called trance where you like get your attacks powered up. You can activate battle assistance and that'll fill you back up. Um, so I had to use, I accidentally used uh, 9,999 because it doesn't tell you when you activate it outside of a little watermark on the bottom right of the screen. I had no idea what it was. So I started up one of the first boss fights in the game and I just hit him with a ton of damage. I'm like, oh, wow, they're probably telling me how powerful my character is. This is so cool. And then I realized like I had this thing on because I was like one hitting like mob enemies yeah. after. And I was like, what is going on? Uh, and then uh, battle assistance I also accidentally had on because it was just a sword and a staff as a watermark and I don't know I don't know what that means and so that was on at some point and I ran into a dragon which was like a secret mini boss and one of my teammates just wasn't dying the whole time like just getting hit pelted with like multi-thousand damage attacks but they were standing and I'm like what's what is the game bugging and then I found out that was on too because everyone ranked up by like 10 15 levels and I thought no this definitely wasn't supposed to happen so I reloaded my save and I was like, what is this watermark? But point being is um, to keep up with the pace of the game, there have been times I've at least thrown on safe travel. Like I'm already a high enough level. A lot of my gear has been grinded out. I just want to get to the next story part, but they'll still like give you tons of battles. So to be able to fast forward to put on 9,999 and be like, instead of fighting like 50 enemies before the boss, I just want to get to the boss because we're right here. Having that option right. has, been, has been phenomenal. So... That's what I've been playing. Good story. You know, talks about existentialism. Uh, a lot of that game. Like, that's that's one of the fan favorites of Final Fantasy. Great. And I've always, to be honest, I've always found the characters a little off-putting, the yeah, way they a lot look. Of animals and spin-offs yeah. of animals. Like, one of your party members is a rat dragon knight. Zidane has a tail. Uh, Vivi's like a, a, a black mage sort of, uh, I don't want to say where he had come from but like you know it's like this kind of creature uh the adamant is like this weird looking bandit i don't know what kind of creature he is but yeah like everyone's kina is kind of like a uh a majin boo ripoff like yeah there's some really weird creatures well, in this game they're not quite like chibi characters but they kind no. of are at the same time like I don't know. Like I'm looking at the main character, the the blonde, and the proportions are just feel weird to me. I don't know. But I've never played yeah. it, so maybe it's uh maybe it's a ten out of ten. Though that's on Game Pass. They're all on Game Pass, right? Seven, Not all, eight, but you nine know, I mean. are twelve is on Game Pass as well. They got some. They got some good content there. Uh, I think you would like nine. Like I said, it, it it dives into existentialism. It dives into a lot of themes that I don't think would be tackled in like early 2000. I think it came out in 2001. Um, mm. You know, it, it tackles um, uh, responsibilities, kind of being ushered into power too soon, faith, loyalty, that type of stuff, um, which, you know, it shows how ahead of their time Square was back at that point. And I can see why it's a fan favorite. 
So man, two thousand. So wait, that was uh, you just said two thousand one or just two thousand? Two thousand one, I believe. When did the PS two come out? When was that again? Um, because that would have been right, right close to that. Like that would have been one of the late late PS one games. There was a lot uh, of pre rendered cutscenes where I feel like that would make sense. PlayStation Two came out October twenty sixth, two thousand. Ah, so this was right before that. It came this Final Fantasy IX released July seventh, two thousand. Yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. And then, wow, one year later, Final Fantasy X came out. Are you kidding me? That's crazy, dude. There's been a a trend of of memes lately. That's like, how do you imagine Final Fantasy twenty years ago in your mind is you know Final Fantasy three slash six or whatever mm-hmm. it's like actually final fantasy 20 years ago final is final fantasy 10 now like yeah. Ugh. feeling old <laughs> yeah i remember dude final fantasy 10 was so seemed like such a, a mystical like mysterious game to me when i was a kid and when that came out i was in first grade when final fantasy 10 came out and i remember uh one of my uncles like i remember looking at the box I was like, whoa, this game looks so cool. Mm-hmm. And then um, now I think it is kind of lame. <laughs> Honestly, I've not played it all the way through. I've played, oh, really? I think, most of it. It was so many years ago when I played it. But now it just seems like the most uh, memeable Final Fantasy, yes. maybe. Oh, it's it, it lives in that awkward, like, late 90s early 2000s voiceover mm. era that's kind of shaky so yeah like i think you know solid but titus is just like ha ha that's like the, his iconic oh, that, scene yeah. yeah yeah dude and they did uh i remember man when when 10 2 came out and i remember being like whoa there's like a lot of like uh you know ladies in revealing clothing in this game mixed weird feelings as a young as a young man <laughs> i i didn't even remember i didn't even know that game existed when i was a kid i my one of my first i dove into on ps2 was actually the game i uh i don't have like a reputation for it because it's like one of my lower viewed reviews but for those who did see it it's, you'll know it's one of my most disliked reviews uh oh. final fantasy 12 which i thought was cool as a kid because back then i mean the scale of that game how it looked the Gambit system. Actually, I think the Gambit system was added in Zodiac Age. I might be incorrect on that. But anyway, I just remember as a little kid being really impressed by that game and going back to it and it needing like the four times speed and all that stuff to really have a decent pace. I tore that game apart and people tore me apart in turn. What goes around comes Damn. around. See, Maddie, we're from the uh, we're the Kingdom Hearts generation purely. Yeah. I mean, that was... That era, because I remember being inter- interested in Final Fantasy, but I was kind of unsure about turn-based combat. Even though I was big on Pokemon, I was like, eh, I don't know. But uh, man, when Kingdom Hearts came trends. out, I remember, I'm going to have to look this up. There was a Game Informer cover mm-hmm. that had Kingdom Hearts on it. And I was like, whoa, this looks so incredibly cool. I can't find it now. Surely there, maybe it's in my brain, like in my head, but I swear there was a Game Informer Kingdom Hearts cover. I will never forget the day I got that game, dude. It was like. My mom gave me Kingdom Hearts 1 after I finished Kingdom Hearts 2. And so to me, it was like, it was backwards, 
because she got oh, it for me. Oh, man. Because I got Kingdom Hearts 2, and she saw more Kingdom Hearts, so she got it for me. And I remember just being like, okay, sure. Like, I'll take it. Because she, she said, do you want it? Like, I know you finished the second one. I was like, hell yeah, give it to me. And um, I didn't like it as much as 2, but... Yeah, for me, Kingdom Hearts was because I had trouble with turn based. I was the same way, right? I'd play like Pokemon mm-hmm. and stuff. I'd be like, but that's Pokemon. It's the same people who go, I hate anime. Do you watch Dragon Ball? Do you watch Pokemon? Yes, yes. It's like, okay, you like anime. It's that simple. That's how I was with right. turn based, right? You're in denial until you realize it's just the things that you like, and that's okay to right. like more things. And um, so, yeah, I was pretty against turn based. So, Crisis Core was huge for me. Kingdom Hearts was huge for me because it took these characters and these aesthetics that I dug and let me interact with them in a more responsive way and so yeah man thank you for kingdom hearts for existing yes dustin let's get into the news let's do it all right so like i said slow news week but this was the the most important one in my opinion I made a whole video on this and um i'm looking forward to seeing dustin's thoughts on this so website the gamer has released oh uh has really I know has released a report and um it's quite a doozy. It says PlayStation 3, Vita, and PSP stores to be permanently closed in a few months. Um it says that they aren't long for this world, according to a source familiar with the situation verified by the gamer. The stores are due to be closed down from July. The announcement is planned for the end of this month, so it should be happening soon. And by the time this episode goes live, it'll uh it may have already happened. Uh, PSP and PS3 stores are to be closed July 2nd, while the Vita store will stay open until August 27th. After those dates, you will no longer be able to purchase digital copies of games or DLC for any of the Sony consoles mentioned above. The PS3 released in November 2006, sold 87 million units during its lifetime. The console officially ended production four years ago after 11 years on the market in three model redesigns. The PSP enjoyed similar success, selling around 81 million units since its release in March of 2005. And of course, the Vita was a bit of a flop, which the gamer says, I disagree. Second, uh, the second handheld released in uh, December of 2011 and sold between 10 to 15 million units across its lifetime. So if you own any of these games, ladies and gentlemen, take this as the sign. Go get your physical copies. Dustin, as a PlayStation guy in a lot of ways, you know, you help out on your sacred physical. symbols. There it is. There your yeah. physical persona. This is already hard to get. It Isn't is. it like kind of expensive? It is expensive now. Yeah. I will look Dude, up some I- prices while you talk. But yeah, feel free to fling some games out there and I'll give people prices. We'll give them perspective on this episode. Well, so my main Vita collection, which I don't have many. I think I have like six maybe is downstairs. But this is the one I always, you know, keep it close. That's what I always say. I'll say it again. Keep your friends close. Keep your copy of Persona 4 Golden closer. So here's the thing, Maddie. I've been copy going for $91. Go on. For this? Yeah. $90? Are you kidding me? And the bidding's not done. It's got 20 bids, free shipping. Yep. Complete. And is it sealed? Nope. There's a sealed copy going for $750. Holy shit. Maddie, they, they I... a premium edition, I guess. I didn't know that about Persona 4. You know yeah, that? I want that. It's that's, probably that's the sealed impossible. One. It comes with the oh, Vita okay. skin, face cover, heart, heart pouch. What? Ooh. Dude, Maddie, I bought this. I wonder if I can find it. I believe I bought this for $20 on Amazon. I bought it for a few 20 bucks years ago. 18 actually with the the used prices. That's crazy. 
I have to see this with my own eyes. Persona 4 Golden. Oh my God. Wow. Dude, people, I don't know. I guess you good know what taste will end is, up is being pricey. In. I bet I'm going to check it out because it also mentioned PS3. I wonder if Persona 5 copies on PS3 are worth anything. Hmm. Have you ever thought of yeah. that? No. Let's see. This is so crazy, dude. I, dude, okay. I have Only to look on bucks. my Amazon account. I have to look. This is just Persona 4. Yeah. Okay. Here it is. Order details. My order details. I spent $21.19 on this copy. Damn. And uh, now it is worth much more than that. I wonder if uh, Persona 4 Dancing All Night is rare, too, because I also have that. Let's see. But... Yeah, what, what games do you have? Because I'll look them up. Persona 4 Dancing All Night. Someone's got it up for $90 on eBay as a brand new. Uh, let's see here. Uh, six bids, $63. Uh, the Japanese import pack. I have this. Someone's selling that for $40, $64. Yeah, dude. Like for Vita, 60 bucks is like a pretty common price. Now, what other games do you have? I have, uh, what's the third zero escape game that wasn't very good. Zero escape time dilemma. Zero time dilemma. You that's that? it. Ooh, that's a, that's a. All right, let's see here. Right now, there's a one bid, twelve bucks. Um, Not great. Someone's it's got like it up 30. for a limited. It comes with a limited edition watch for sixty dollars. That's pretty cool. What's um interesting? Not oh, a lot of copies of this out. Freedom Wars is another one I have. That's cheap. That's got to be. Oh cheap. yeah, that's that's super cheap. I have Danganronpa one. I have Danganronpa oh. two. And I have Ultra Despair Girls, which I'm sure those those cannot be. Those are expensive. Cheap. Yeah, Dang, Dang and Rampa. I saw someone selling the whole trilogy for three hundred dollars together. Holy, I own all, of dude. Them. I have. I really regret not getting the third one on Vita. Oh, dude. I mean, I played it on PS4, which is fine, dude. Okay, Dang and Rampa seventy six dollars. Dang and Rampa two. These are sold prices. People have recently paid this. Oh. Danganronpa 2, $70. Wow. Uh, Ultra Despair Girls, $75. Holy shit. I have like six Vita games, and it's like full of rare games. It's so weird. I mean, I'm not getting... There's no way in hell that I was get, I'd get rid of Danganronpa. But I just wish that I had Danganronpa 3 on Vita. That's the, the big regret. Yeah, I have V3. It's funny, because Danganronpa 1... I mean, what I had to do, because I didn't have money, is I would go to GameStop, and I'd have to just cycle my games. I had a no-trade-in oh, policy yeah. for my Vita, but I ended up, at one point in time, trading in both Persona 4 Golden and Danganronpa 1. Ooh. But I bought them back. Good. Yeah. yeah. So, with Man. Danganronpa... A lot of my games have the... I fucking hate GameStop, because they have the stickers that they put on the case so i need to take like a, a blow dryer to them the goo gun you got to peel them off so that's my weekend project this weekend i'm attacking the stickers on my boxes i'm sick of this shit they're all over the place like my persona 4 golden yours looks really good mine's in good condition but it's got that it's got that sticker that's just been like pasted on and it's it spit on it's just stuck there someone's actually selling a copy of danganronpa i put this in quotes complete in box but it's the box art for Danganronpa 1. But it's definitely a placeholder case because the surrounding box, like the trim, mm. is, is black instead of blue. Right. 
uh, one other quick detail, and then we'll get back. I never actually answered <laughs> what I thought about the oh, Vita discontinuation. Hey, right. <laughs> but isn't it weird how certain games become rare without you even realizing? For example, I bought Gravity Rush Remastered from Amazon. Oh, my gosh. Dude, that game now is selling. It's like 100. I'm seeing right now 130, 135 on Amazon, which Dude, is just. I had so many chances to buy that game. I don't even get it. I don't know why. I mean, apparently it was a limited run of copies for that. But okay, so let's talk about this article from The Gamer. I've thought about this a lot this week and full just transparency. This is the third time I've talked about it on a podcast, but my oh. thoughts have evolved. I don't think this article is true. Oh, I like think it's as a whole. I think it's there's like a grain of truth in there. Okay. Because Why do you think that? I'm curious. First of all, the gamer. Does this website have any track record of proven true leaks and rumors? I don't know. I actually don't know the answer to that. But I've never heard of the gamer before. And here's what I said on Sacred. And I think it's the more I think about it, the more I think this is a true point. When you hear huge news like this there is usually somebody will chime in and be like yes i have also heard this Eurogamer is known to do this that they'll chime in and say we have also heard this or you know jason schreier well-known person like mm. that that will put out a tweet and be like yep this is true i've also heard this none of that happened at all so there's been no secondary verification from anybody the other thing is, I know Sony over and over drops the ball in ways that are completely baffling to the rest of us. I don't think that they would drop the ball this hard to say like, hey, so wait, hold on, just to verify, this article from the gamer says that you will no longer not only be able to not purchase, but not be able to download games extreme yeah i know yeah no no one no one does it that way there's no way that they would pull the brakes that fast Hmm. which with a detail like that i mean that to me calls in question the validity of the whole article and i think what chris said on sacred was a very good point in that this article isn't doesn't sound true right now but it is a a true reality in our in our near future that these stores are at the end of their life cycle. This is is going to go kaput very soon because you know, especially like PlayStation Three, PSP, these are not active platforms. I'll be anymore. honest; I didn't even know the PSP had a downloadable store because I never connected mine to the internet. I yeah, I swear on my life. I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. <clears throat> It will be true, but I really don't expect the rollout to be like this, to be like, hey, not only are we shutting down the store, but you're not going to be able to download stuff anymore. I do not find that likely in the slightest. I think that more than likely what I would expect to see for the closure of these stores is that Sony to, first of all, alert their community of developers in advance because no, none of the developers that we're connected to know anything. Colin, you know, many, many of the audience knows 
He owns a large portion of a studio, Lilimo Games, that regularly releases all their games on Vita. They've heard nothing. And other developers have heard nothing. That's just irresponsible if this was true for them to not tell their developers that are actively working on Vita games that they're going to shut down the store. That just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So I think that's fair. I would expect when this eventually does happen that they're going to say, hey, we are going to shut down these three stores. We're going to do it in six to 12 months is my estimated range. They're going to say it's this date, which would be six to 12 months away. That's when you're going to be able to stop buying. Then at an even further out date, that would be the st- the day that you can stop downloading. Because that's like what Nintendo Wii did, I believe, is that they like have a cutoff day of purchases, and then much later, there's a cutoff day of downloads. So, All right, so one thing I remembered with the reporter who did this um, PS Vita, th- uh, PS3, and PSP article was, his name is Kirk McCand, McKeand, I don't know, but he also reported about Techland's leadership, which the CEO did respond to and um, was pretty transparent about things that were ongoing internally. So I will say that so far in my eyes, from what I've seen, he has been one for one. So I'm a little more inclined to believe this. What I was thinking was, I know with the Vita, I don't recall as deeply with the PS3, but I know the Vita, to get to your download list, you have to be able to access the store. So let's say I want to go in and download mercenary kings or something on my vita you have to go into the store and then on the bottom right you click the three dots you pop up your download list and you can go through everything you have so i wonder if they close the store that that'll inadvertently close your ability to download old games mm. um once again i'm not familiar with the psp because i didn't even know what had a digital storefront um but also your lack of access to vita being able to download games on the storefront uh, will hurt the PSP market because those games are cheap now. I'm letting everyone know right away. I built out my whole collection of like 50 plus games for $200. That's really, really good. Those prices are going to go up because you have no other way to get them. And the Vita was one of the best places to play these PSP games where you could have all of those PlayStation handheld experiences on one console. Not being able to download them hurts. Uh, that's why I downloaded Suikoden 2 right away. I made sure like, hey, I need that because I don't have a PS1. That's one of the most rare games to get. Um, and the PS3, I think, is the only other place you can experience that. That's also going to lose it. So be mindful of the stuff you download. I'm personally, though, uh, you know, not to, not to like go against you here, Dustin, but I believe it. it. You know, I think I think it's going to happen, and I think it is going to be as drastic as a shutdown because Jim Ryan has kind of shown he does not give a fuck about backwards compatibility, and that's not a problem, right? That's not the 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 drum that uh, that that Sony marches to. And he's been pretty clear. What was he talking about? Gran Turismo, I think it was. He was just like pretty much saying, who cares? Like who wants to go back and play that? And I really do think PlayStation, maybe this is what they meant, right? When we said, oh, uh, PlayStation is going to transfer consoles quicker than anyone we've seen before. Maybe this is part of that, right? We thought it was going to be because of games. Like, you know, we started, we thought they were all going to be next gen. We're seeing Horizons cross gen. We're seeing God of Wars cross gen. My guess is maybe this is what they meant. Like, we're just shutting shit down as soon as possible. Because to me, the 3 and PSP make a little more sense. I guess less the 3. But at least those two have been around for a while. 
where you've had your chance to collect, grab stuff, download stuff. The Vita, it's approaching a decade now. And it hasn't even been a decade, technically. We just read the date, December 2011. So I got to say that the PS Vita to me is the most shocking. And I know I'm a little biased because I love the Vita. But I, I really do think, to me, if they say like, yeah, you can't buy stuff, which I expect. But they're also saying you can't download stuff. That's the one where I'm a little iffy about. And I would not be surprised. I don't say it's to paint them in a bad light. If they just didn't let their developers know. Because outside of Colin and a couple of other teams... Um, Colin, I should say Colin and Lilymo, and a couple other teams. How many are developing natively for Vita and then porting to other consoles? It's very few. Uh, it's awesome that there's a group there, but I feel like PlayStation made it, has made it clear like this is not our priority. We don't care about this console. Gave it the kiss of death, walked away, stopped producing it. Um, the games are super expensive and hard to find. And I just think the wrapping of the Vita store is just kind of dumb. Um, and, and all of these in general. I'm a believer in game preservation, and it's why I don't like the whole all-digital future. Because stuff like this, you know, I'm going to sound like a broken record, and I'm going to sound like probably every podcast you listen to. But I just, you know, not having access to games after a certain point in time, um, there's just, you know, there's I don't, I don't like that. Uh, the fact that, for example, Spider-Man can license out a bunch of games like Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, Web of Shadow, Shattered Dimension, and... Or, and, and these can all get knocked off the storefront. And in turn, now, like, each of those games is, like, 50, 60 bucks. I saw Amazing Spider-Man 2 for Xbox One at my local GameStop for $60. And I looked it up online. Technically, it's a deal. I fucking hate that game, so I didn't buy it. It goes for 120 bucks. Like, that's the kind of importance. Like, I get it. Go play Spider-Man PS4. It's way better than anything that series will offer you. But just in the terms of game preservation, be able to look at something revisit it that ease of access is so important and no company outside of xbox and even xbox is kind of wavered on there they haven't added anything to back compat since 2019 i think so even they've wavered a bit and that's kind of the thing that that carried them like they need to focus on that uh, and so i have to say i'm i'm not too pleased by this news dustin no quite, quite disappointed yeah it's um it's sad. I, it's one of those things that I'm curious about. I don't know the truth to this, but I know that Vita held on a lot longer in Japan. And I'm curious if it's waning now in Japan. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd have to imagine with the absolute domination of Nintendo and the Switch that the Vita has had a huge drop off in Japan. But I, I'm not sure of that. That's just my theory. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I don't know what more I could personally add other than like besides just uh bitching a lot. <laughs> you, know, <it's, laughs> you know, it's it's disappointing and I get it's a small market and I get business-wise why it makes sense, but I don't know. Like how much do you think it costs them to say, "Hey, let's just not money-wise, but like do you think it really costs them that much to say like let's keep these storefronts up?" Is it that pointless to them? That's what I, I, I wonder. To me, it's you know I'm not one of those people where I'm like, what about the uh, the ethical nature of game preservation? Because I get for them it's a business. As much as I care about it, I understand a lot of them don't. But does it run your business down that much where you cannot keep the Vita, the PS3, the PSP store? The PSP makes a little I – like, I feel like I could get that a little bit. But the other two, I mean, really? 
I don't know. Yeah, Colin brought up a good point in that there's a lot of clerical work that goes into keeping games on the storefront, right? Like you have a developer, like how many developers are there that have released one game on Vita, some small indie that maybe not even is around anymore. And so they may sell two copies, three copies of their game a year from someone that, you know, some weirdo that (laughs) bought their weird game. Um, And so they have to send this developer that doesn't exist anymore, but maybe there's one guy attached to it or whatever. They got to send them $6. They got to account for this in the books that they sent this person six dollars for the game that they sold and there's taxes involved with that and xyz and so you know maybe they're looking at that they're like wow how many hundreds of games do we only sell x you know single digit number copies of that we're doing all the the work on the books for um at what point is that no longer worth it Mm. you know yeah and especially I know they don't make money off console sales, but I guess just numbers wise to talk about it, you know, is this because not because in direct result of, but just partially the desire to usher people into this generation quickly and the PS five, not having a lot of units out there. And so Sony's already eating costs, I imagine on the production of these consoles and they have to make it up with software. That would bring me to my point of like, why close them down? Even if it's a little software, but there's something numbers wise, we're probably not seeing. I think they're making it because they're losing somewhere and to them, it's not worth it. So with that, even if they come out and they say, hey, this is false. Uh, we're actually keeping our Vita store. Go buy your Vita games physically. Your PSP, your PS3, whatever you care about, get it physically because it will eventually go. Maddie, the, the Oh, sorry. I didn't go for it. I was just going to say the issue is this too is like play, PS3 has some phenomenal series, right? They got like – I think of Resistance. is like the first one that comes to mind. I think of uh, – um, what else is there? Oh, my God. Why am I spacing on some? There's resi- there's two series that I always think. Oh, Infamous. There we go. Those are two series that I loved on the PS3 that are, like, non-existent on the PS4. You have Second Son, but I'm talking about the older entries you can't access. Right? Like, I don't think you can. Can you stream any of these games through PS Now? Um, I think Resistance 3 is on PS Now. Yeah, just Resistance 3. It's weird. Okay, so see, and that further solidifies my point of like, either go buy these games or bring them over. Do something. I just, I understand the lack of investment in back compat and the desire to move on. But, you know, what if you introduce this remastered Resistance trilogy, it catches on and you make a new one. Like people have to be familiar with it at some point, I would say. I don't know, man. Yeah. Honestly... The big thing that I'm considering is that I've always wanted... So I have an OLED Vita, like the original, the OG, which I would say is the superior one. But hmm. I've always wanted an Aqua Blue PS Vita Slim, the 2001. I'm like, is it the time? It's it, it's so hard to justify. This comes back to me being a, a, a cheapskate. To get one of these new an uh, PS Vita Aqua Blue, you have to import it from Japan. Right now on eBay, I'm seeing 375. Yeah, can't do that. Yeah, but if, it, if, if but now's the one. only time that I would be able to do it. I would say, I know you, so this is why I would say it to you, to our general audience. Obviously, it differs per person, but 
I was going to get another Vita. I didn't even talk about it. I was just thinking every now and then about it. And then I was gifted one by my girlfriend, uh, my Persona oh. Vita. Did you ever see that? I've seen – I saw your fucking pictures on Twitter, and it right, upset me deeply. Yeah, I was going to say. Good. I was flexing hard. Uh, but I, <laughs> I love that shit. And so to me, when I got it, I went – this is – now that I saw the store closing down, and I remember Colin, I think he said that, like, the batteries can fizz out on them. So to have, like, a pretty much brand-new Vita and, like, part of the, the, the paranoid person in me wants to say, like, do I just get a third real quick? Do I just, like, just take it off the market real quick? Um. I don't know about that, but hey, uh, I would be lying if I said it hasn't crossed my mind. I would say if you care enough and you want to make sure you got some longevity for your Vita, maybe get a second one. Wouldn't hurt. You don't have the slim. You can justify it that way. Dustin, as we said, beginning of the show, this is a little uh, business expense. You need to talk about that Vita, the dying Vita. That's right. (laughs) You need that to run your business. (laughs) I got to – here's what I got to do is I just got to keep an eye on – like Facebook Marketplace, find someone who who I'm not saying I'm taking advantage of somebody, but someone who lists it and doesn't know. Oh, you are. Then maybe list it for like 200, you know, or something yeah. like. Maybe they just want to get rid of it. Yeah, I've I've seen them on there before. It's just it's rare. No, so, that's why I went knows? on like Mercari because like I, I think I got Resistance Burning Sky, and I'm on eBay, and it's like 40, 50 bucks. I'm thinking, dude, you know, that's I like Resistance, but that's a little too much. And then I. I think because it's like a five six hour game, and then I go on Mercari and someone's selling it, beautiful condition, twenty bucks. You know they're just what trying is this to website? upload it. Mercari, M E R C A R I. Mercari. Yeah, just people just like offload stuff there, and so I saw it and I went, "All right, well, is this like OfferUp?" Uh, I don't know. I've never been on OfferUp, but I used it. My buddy introduced me to it, and I like it. Interesting. Is this yeah. local or is it shipped? Shipped. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a good alternative. Like if you're on eBay and you see things are going for really high, this is a good place to go to afterwards and cross-reference. I love to, to eBay all the time. You know, I love digital window shopping on eBay some nights and just like scrolling and just thinking of games and be like, wonder how much that is. And just like making a little log in your head because I like to right. game collect. That's fun. But, you know, just a little suggestion. All right, Dustin, next bit of news here. Let's talk about Call of Duty. Let's do it. This report comes from Game Informer, who is reporting a report by Eurogamer. The article starts by saying, Eurogamer has reported that Call of Duty is returning to a World War II setting this year for its annual release with Sledgehammer at the helm. Call of Duty skipped Sledgehammer in the annual studio cycle last year when Black Ops Cold War landed at Treyarch slash Raven with some assistance from Sledgehammer as some degree of collaboration is not uncommon, of course. So this return would not be wholly unexpected. However, if the rumors are true, this also indicates that Sledgehammer will be tackling the second World War II Call of Duty project in a row as their last core title was Call of Duty World War II. Other sources around the internet are also reporting and rumoring on the setting, but not all sources could agree on the exact nature of the World War II setting. It's also going around that the setting could be an alternate history take on World War II where the war never ended. That sounds like more of a Treyarch title, says the writer. Um, Let's see here. And that'll be it for that article. So I know we don't talk about COD here much, but Dustin, does an alternate history take on COD World War II? Does that that tug on you to come back at all? Because I got to say, once again, a lot of people thought I was caught up in hype. 
I'm going to say it again. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War's campaign is legit amazing. One of the best surprises last year. I loved it. Highly recommend you play it if you have the chance to. Um, is it worth spending your 60 bucks for? It depends how much you like the whole package. I liked it, so I thought it was a really good time. But that was like the last COD campaign I liked since maybe Black Ops 2. So with you, Dustin, I don't know how often you dip your toes into the COD pool. It's been a while. I did play a good bit of Cold War. I played more of the multiplayer. I hear the new zombies mode is supposed to be very good. But I enjoyed it. Yeah. As far as a new I feel like it's funny. Everyone was clamoring for World War II to come back. And I think then it came back a little too much in a mm-hmm. way because we had Battlefield 1 which wasn't World War II, but it was still, we'll consider that World War I and II. We'll just lump those. It was unique and interesting. Then there was Call of Duty World War II. Then there was Battlefield V, which was World War II. So now I'm kind of like, let's let's wait a little longer till we bring back World War II again. That's my preference, though. So in order to excite me, We'd have to lean pretty hard into this alternate history idea. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I think alternate history stuff is really cool. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of potential. I, it's weird, though. I don't think Call of Duty would do like a Wolfenstein type situation. But I like thinking about it like that in that like, okay, I, some of the rumors were saying like, oh, World War II where maybe Germany won or something like that. Um, and that sounds that sounds intriguing to me. So... Yeah, definitely. It would have to be different. Sounds like someone at Sledgehammer played the Wolfenstein campaign and went, hey, this would be neat. <laughs> that was yeah. really it. You know? So for me, for me, it actually isn't doing the trick on paper. Oh, you know, because okay. I'm with you on the uh, I've been World War II'd out. This is my favorite era of history to study. Like when we were in school, I love to learn more about that time period, the 40s. Uh, leading into the 50s, um, a little bit before that as well. Um, that type of stuff really just intrigued me. I think, you know, the the, the nationalism that's kind of boasted, the, the propaganda, um, the, the clothing, the ammunition production, just there's so many angles on how it was like an everyone all hands on deck kind of war effort. And so studying it was always interesting. And that's why I connected with the game so much. But as the years have gone on, I haven't seen really anyone spin it outside of a, we stormed the beaches of Normandy, you know, all that shit. They just run through the the same kind of campaign style. It's why I like Wolfenstein a lot because Wolfenstein New Order, you go to the fucking moon and you get a laser rifle. It's like, yes. Yeah. Like, this is what I want, man. Like, this is the alternate history stuff I need. Uh, Where in Call of Duty, I, I, I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, but I don't want to judge it too harshly, of course. Uh, but I just want, I, I figured, you know, I like the whole Cold War thing because, you know, you have the wet ops missions that you're running. And um, I think that there's like an untapped area there that's just not discussed as frequently as something like World War II. So to me, that's a little more interesting at times. Obviously, they've done a bunch of Black Ops games where what was once new when I was in a sophomore in high school is now a really popular, well-known thing. Um, but yeah, ultimately, uh, these world war two rumors, I kind of saw it when, okay, 
I'm more interested in what Battlefield's doing whenever that comes back. You know, that's that's where I sit. Like, what's Battlefield yeah. up to? It's been a while. At least in my head, it's been a while. I don't know how many years it's really been, but it feels like forever. Surely they're going to go modern again. There was a rumor of some kind for Battlefield. Uh, I'll have to look it up, but Battlefield 6 has been in the rumor mill for a stupid long time. And I got to see, when was Battle... Wait, hold on. Search bar's not coming up here. Battlefield 5 release date. November 2018. Hmm. Was that the last Battlefield game? Battlefield 5? Yeah. Yeah, Battlefield 1 was 2016. Yeah, so damn. It's been a while. Typical dev cycle, but it's been a while. Um, Let's see here. Battlefield 6 setting. Let's see what people are saying. Uh, Hmm. No, it's just speculation. I don't want to toss it out there. So who knows, but I'm more anticipating that because it's just, it's been in the oven longer. The thing, Maddie, the question for me is like, someday Call of Duty is not going to be the top selling game, right? Nothing lasts forever. Nothing lasts forever. I'm just always surprised. I'm not speaking to the quality at all because I think that for the most part, I people love to shit on Call of Duty and I I think it's kind of silly because it's like yeah these games fucking sell crazy amounts of copies cuz they're good. Uh they're not my favorite games but yeah there has to be some kind of it you know it's indicative of people people like them so they sell. They're they wouldn't sell if people didn't enjoy them. Whether they're to your taste or not is completely different. But the reality is a lot of people really like them enough to buy them every year. Uh, I'm not the type of person that buys them every year. Though I did, I really liked uh, the new Modern Warfare enough that I also bought uh, Black Ops Cold War and thought both of them were very good. So I don't know. Maybe I am an every year Call of Duty person now. But I'm just wondering, um, when does the public... When does the, you know, when do we lose interest? Not We as in the collective of all people who play games but i don't know even even a shaky release like uh the launch one for ps4 ghosts Hmm. or infinite warfare the 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 brand remains incredibly strong if not stronger yeah it's amazing honestly yeah and i don't know if you could point to any one reason to be honest with you as to why it happens you know I know, for example, there were a lot of detractors for Infinite Warfare. I thought it looked... Kind of, I mean, normally I don't co-sign to the, what typically you hear people like regurgitating, which is like, oh, this kind of looks like Advanced Warfare expansion. But it did. Yeah. There were a lot of similarities there. And um, I know a lot of people like to rally around the, the, the product getting teared around. And we've seen that with uh, Hogwarts Legacy. We're seeing that with Six Days of Fallujah. We're seeing like people rally towards the thing being attacked um, or targeted or discussed heavily or critically. Um, And so I don't think it's that. I just think like as they attack these certain time periods, you're just catch, you're kind of casting your net again and again, and you're, you're catching the same pool of fish, but there's also going to be new fish that are in that same uh, river, maybe or something like that, that are swimming in for the first time. And so while you and I created memories for the first time with maybe a modern conflict like 
Call of Duty 4 or Modern Warfare 2 or for me it was World, uh, World at War that really captured me big time. Uh, there might be someone around our age at that time who's hopping in and this next Call of Duty will be it for them in, in 10 years down the line. They'll talk about it. And so I think about that sometimes, how you constantly recast your net and there's a new generation always stepping in who's interested in these types of games. Um, and yeah, I don't know the numbers on what trends for that age. Like is all of a sudden people are going to, we're going to see Call of Duty phase out and you're going to start to see like more Valheim stuff and more building things. I, I, I don't know. More survival games, more among us. I don't know. I really don't. But uh, point being is I do question the brand staying power, but at the same time, it just seems no matter what happens, it, it gets stronger. It's kind of like what happened with Pokemon, right? There was a lot of controversy around it. And Sword and Shield did, I think, the best of any Pokemon game. Like, it was... Yeah. It was insane. And that was... I think that had fair criticism tied to it. You know, there were a couple of moments where the devs were not accurate uh, with what happened with the game. Um, there were there were clear technical holdbacks on the title. I mean, it was pretty equivalent to a 3DS title in a lot of ways. And once again, that sounds like slander, but it's not. I played the game and I'm like, man, this is like, I love Pokemon. I was like, damn, this shit feels really bad right now. It doesn't look good. Um, it didn't take advantage of the switch in the ways that other established franchises, but it didn't matter. It did probably better. And so I always wonder about that. Sometimes I think what happens is when people start to complain and they don't find your criticism well-founded and they start to research, they're like, Hey, this actually looks good. This person put it on my radar and people don't realize that inadvertent effect of, that type of criticism of making right. the piece about the game on why it sucks, why it's not good. And, um, I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's funny you bring that up. Cause I've been, I've been stirring on that a little bit. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. I, I think that there is definitely the argument to be made that some people are like, well, call of duty is the same every year. And I subscribe to that in certain mm-hmm. ways. But it is interesting because they are iterative in that there's not usually a major change between each Call of Duty. But if you jump between a few of them, they are really different. Like, for fun, when I got my Series X, I put in Call of Duty Black Ops 2 (laughs) for the 360. You're like, whoa, this is so different. Like, it feels way more dated than than you remember in your mind so um and that's why i honestly what i recommend to people is that it's like if you not what i recommend but what i do is that normally like i said is that i would play call of duty like every other year once every three years and then it does feel like a a pretty big difference um but yeah i mean honestly good for Activision at this point. And especially, I feel like that they have done the right thing in the fact that sure, they have uh, a, this shop where you can buy gun skins and new characters and mm. stuff like that. But as far as the content, the content they've put out post-release have been good. They don't charge people for new maps. Warzone is like really, really good and offers a ton of quality content for free Hmm. so i mean i feel like that should be commended in the fact that they're no longer segmenting their community by forcing people to buy 
maps. Sure, they offer a lot of other options for you to give them money, such as <laughs> battle pass, skins, stuff like that. But it's really, that's optional. So it doesn't feel like you're necessarily hugely missing out if you don't give them more money. Yeah, I still think, I'm not saying you aren't saying this, but I still think they can go fuck themselves. Like when you fire your employees <laughs> and go, hey, here's a bunch of $200 gift cards to our own store. You are a they did fucking that? colossal piece of dog shit. I can't fucking believe that. I still Is that real? Yeah, go look at yeah, exactly. I've never right? heard this. Exactly. Exactly. Go look it up. I want you to read the headline because it's actually fucking fascinating. And the CEO gets a raise. That's the best part. That's the best part of it all. Is like, not only were you an absolute asswipe, you also fucking got a raise afterwards. Activision Blizzard employees affected by layoffs were given Battle.net gift cards. Oh my god. I, how did I miss it? I knew there were layoffs. <laughs> which, here's the thing. Maybe I... We've we've said this on the show. I feel bad when people lose their job. Always. Mm -hmm. It sucks. But I also understand it's a reality of business. If certain like for example, I when when people lost their job, was this specifically related to live events and esports programming? Yeah. I like I sort of get it in the fact it's like if those verticals for Activision Blizzard aren't making money anymore then I get why they may want to downsize that. It's but so that being said, when he gets a raise, because I understand it doesn't always work like this, but if you're going to say, I'm going to collect X amount of more million dollars this year, couldn't you have fought to keep some people? We don't know the ins and outs of their numbers or business, the, but I mean, man, I can't the, help but look at that and ask that question. The thing that we have to, man, do I want to defend Activision right now. You're speaking objectively. Like, I don't. I wouldn't quote you as defending. I think you're trying to. I'm call. I mean, what I'm, would I just curse like five times in the same sentence? Clearly, I'm not being. <laughs> I'm pissed. But you're like, all right, let's here's talk about what, it. Let's talk about this. Okay. Obviously, optics extremely bad, um, and for good reason. And obviously, giving them the fucking gift cards, that's insulting. No one can 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 defend that. That just seems like silly as far as um should he have opted to not take the bonus um in order to keep those employees you have to consider also the fact that they we've talked about this before on the show activision has the fiduciary duty to their stockholders to try to make as much money as possible so to try to keep around employees or segments of your business that do not benefit the stockholders in order to be nice would not go well and actually could be borderline illegal um, based on that's something we'd have to ask our, our friend Rick Hogue about because he's the one who's talked a lot about fiduciary duty. That's where I learned this term about how companies have legal obligations to their stockholders. Also with uh, their CEO, I would imagine that part of their their deal would be like, hey, if the stock hits this amount, you will get this much of a bonus. Right. Re regardless of whether they're laying off people or not. Now, and Colin brought this up that maybe there's an idea of like he could have been like, let's let's not do this now. I was going to or say, let's figure yeah. out something else. Um. But 
So, so yeah, maybe maybe they could have done something that the optics could have been better. But as far as keeping around these, if, if these if these verticals are not benefiting their business, then they they really don't have an option to to keep them around. Now, I don't know. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe there's an idea that they could reformat those business those verticals of their business to try to make them money. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I was going to. That's potentially a possibility. Is- you know, I don't know how many heads go into this. I don't mean for us to keep going. I don't know this. I don't know that. But the reality is we don't fucking run a multi-billion dollar company. Um, right. We're but, just two fucking idiots on YouTube, Maddie. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> but still, I think we're speaking very fairly on the matter. I think we have some sure. degree of intelligence here to, to, to kind of break it down. Where I don't know if it's just like – I think his name's like Bobby Kotick or something. I don't know if it's just him in the room making this call. But you would imagine a self-aware business would understand, hey, this isn't going to look good. I know, yeah, there is a there, the ethics don't matter when you get the numbers, but there is a I almost think an ethical expectation that hey, we're kind of pulling out of this pandemic. Maybe now isn't the right time to chopping block a couple of people when we're nearing the end of that. If it's not making money, and you've you've rolled a team into, for example, crash or uh, or no, sorry, was it the crash team that got rolled into? No, it wasn't. That was Toys for Bob. They rolled a team into Diablo Two Remastered. And they kicked the Diablo 3 team out uh, for the Reforged or whatever it was. Diablo Reforged or Warcraft. Sorry, Warcraft Reforged. Um, and so those types of decisions make sense, right? You take a talented team. You put them on a project that matters. A team that dropped the ball, you cut them. Sure. But in some case like this, I feel like you have to look at it and be like, hey, do I need to collect my – we can number check it. I want to say it was like $200 plus million bonus. Do you Do you need that? I get it, man. Like, look, my eyes would pop out of my fucking head if I saw a million bucks in front of me. I'd be shocked. Never seen that kind of money in my life. But there's a point in time where you where you really have to question things like that. And I'm not going to get into the economics of it all. Of like, you know, Some people are like anti-capitalist. I'm not even taking that route. I'm just saying you have to start questioning when the heads of these companies are pulling in that much fucking money as people lose their jobs. To me, that's not even an ethical thing. I don't understand how that happens. Where you couldn't even say, let's shift them over here. Let's do this. To automatically displace people and then have you and, and collect money yourself. I, I don't know. I feel uncomfortable doing that. Maybe that's easy hmm. to say here as I'm not a multi-billionaire or millionaire. But I can't help but look at that and say like, look, yeah, it may not be as simple from the outside looking in. But I'm sure there was something you could have figured out. And I don't think as a longtime CEO of Activision and all of those people who are shareholding, you needed to collect your multi-million dollar payout that badly when hundreds of people were going to lose their jobs or dozens, whatever it was. Um, to me, that doesn't sit well. And it's quite in representative of the type of company they are. So I'm not shocked by it. But when you combine that with... You know, I was laughing earlier, but I mean, dude, when you when you look at it, you give them gift cards, you give them not even here's a Visa gift card. Go spend it on right. something. Go buy food. Go go pay a bill. This motherfucker goes here. We bought gift cards to our own fucking store. Take it and spend it on our shit. I would be like, dude, go wipe your fucking ass with this thing. And get out of my face. That is fucking ridiculous, man. Am I overreacting? I think that is the most well, insane shit I've ever heard. What am I missing, Dustin? Okay. Here's the thing. I'm I'm mostly in agreement with you because I also think that like, yeah, the gift card, 
you were better off just not giving that at all. Just let him go. Just let him go. But, I mean, okay, according to this Jason Schreier tweet, they gave 90 days, <laughs> so three months. You got paid for three months. Okay, that's good. An entire year of health <laughs> benefits. I don't know if that's standard. I don't know if that's more or less. I don't work in that, that corporate landscape or know much about that. And the $200 Battle.net gift card. <laughs> so, oh to me, I'm just like, you're okay. better off with the just just doing the the three month pay and the the year of health. Don't the the two hundred dollar battle net gift card feels a little okay. insulting. I will, and admit, by a little, I mean a lot. I appreciate you bringing that up. That makes it a little bit better, right? They weren't just booted out like it sounded like. But I would mm-hmm. admit I was not reading just headlines. I did look into this. I didn't know Jason Trier tweeted that though, because that is like really important info. But at the same time. Aren't they? I just, I feel like that's still, I feel like there was still an opportunity to move things around. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you can't, you can't save everybody, right? I get that mentality. And so I also understand that, but I think it's really just the gift cards. If the gift cards weren't there, maybe I wouldn't be as like, I'm not even trying to be like outraged, you know, like mm-hmm. life will go on. The world keeps spinning. And I imagine these people will, will land on their feet and I hope they do. So I don't want people to think I'm just like, oh, fake outrage, you know, just give me a break. I right. just, if there weren't the gift cards there, that's the thing, man. It's just disrespectful. <laughs> well, Manny, people can be mad at you and say that you have fake outrage and people can be bad at me for defending uh, Activision giant company. Like, so, if, and I felt bad doing that, but I, <laughs> Dustin, what if Colin let you go and said, here's a last stand media merch shop, $200 <laughs> gift card. <laughs> He's just like, here you go, Dustin. We're going to let you go. We'll pay you for three months. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's the exactly. Yeah. And that's where we're in total agreement that it's like if Colin said, hey, I'm paying you for three months. Here's a year of health insurance or whatever. Um, the yeah, the gift card would just be like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, are you serious? <laughs> so, yeah, that's probably a good place to leave it is our uh, yeah absolute the audacity of this bitch being the bitch being all of Activision in giving a $200 battle net card. I'll just say as a capper, I would kill to be a fly on the wall to see like the most angry person on that staff who did get let go, get that gift card. What, what came like, what did he say to the person who handed it to him or emailed that? I would love to be a fly on the wall for that moment. Anyway, let's move on to uh, last bit of news. Then we'll get into your patron questions. Indie showcase, positive stuff. I actually didn't expect that Call of Duty rumor thing to take that turn. I thought that would be a quick segment. Um, so, Dustin, there was an Xbox Indie Showcase. ID at Xbox held a three-hour show, about 80% talking, 20% games. But the games that were shown there I thought were pretty good. Uh, I got a list of some of the highlights. The Ascent, Void Train, Astria Ascending, Nobody Saves the World. There's Death Store, Loot River, Second Extinction, Narita Boy, 12 Minutes. There was an update on Stalker 2. Uh, 20 of these games are coming to Game Pass. Um, so those were just some of my highlights that I wrote down for a video separately. Um, were there any that jumped out uh, to you during this this showcase? I did not watch it all mm-hmm. because as I think you're going to go over in your video, so I won't steal your thunder, but no, this please do. event fucking sucked. Like, this is how you don't do a showcase. Exactly. Here's the thing. I've shit on Sony quite a bit this episode, so I have to give them props slightly. Sony gets it when it comes to these events now. 
they fucked up in the past, but Sony now gets it that mm. they're like, boom, trailer, boom, trailer, boom. There's there's very little, Keep especially with their big PS5 events that they've done, very little talking in between. And that's really yeah. what how you want to do it at this point. And I think, Maddie, you brought up what would have been a lot more effective while you wouldn't have maintained your viewership on Twitch is to do all the games and then do developer stuff, interviews, whatever afterwards. This was excessive though. Yeah. The amount of time between trailers with just like, I don't want to be mean, but literally just fucking nothing like mindless conversation. It's like, yeah, that game looked really great. Really excited about it. I really liked how this part happened. It really reminded me of this game. Wow, me too. It's going to be great. Coming to Xbox. It's like, oh my, stop. We don't we don't need to tell us you to tell us what we just saw again. Like we just saw it. We don't need to don't tell me again. Like you don't need to tell me how to feel. Anyway, okay. As far as the games, I only have two things. Number 1, Whatever that one was that had like the the Power Rangers Megazord fight oh, in like it, Mecha or something like that. That looked pretty cool. Yeah, I don't good. know if it's going to be good, but it looked cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, uh, from Drinkbox, I just I love Drinkbox. They make fantastic games. Guacamelee one and two, so good. Severed originally released on the PlayStation Vita. Oh, I of course, about that one. Wow, yeah, yeah. They are they are great, and so their new game, uh, what is it called? No one, uh, nobody saves the world. Nobody saves the world. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. That's a day one play for me for sure. Which it's on Game Pass. Uh, so that's good news for you. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm very very excited for that. Um, which I do. I don't really have a connection to them very much. I do. I, I every once in a while will DM with uh, Graham Smith who is there the the head of the studio there we've talked a little bit so oh, cool. maybe that's a he's the co-founder and producer um and i think he's friends with Colin too but he's always been very kind to me which i appreciated and uh but i think their games are great anyway uh really really guacamole too did you play that Maddie? i played the first one and i was not crazy about it um I have not played two. I, I did play a little too. I don't know. Something about Guacamelee didn't grab me, but I got to play. I, I remember. Yeah, you liked it. I remember the reason I picked it up was Colin's review. <laughs> oh, okay. He dropped a review on it. Colin was my, my Vita guy. Yeah. Whenever Colin dropped a, a Vita kind of game review, I would I would check it out. And because I, I feel his and I's taste kind of lined up back then. Nowadays, I don't think our tastes are, are very similar, but back then they were. And um, so I kind of knew what he how he gauged things. Oftentimes, I would feel the same. And. I did not share that with Guacamelee. It did not, did not gel with me. But Nobody Saves the World, it's like this rat-based, it's almost Zelda-like, but it's a beat-em-up, um, a top-down beat-em-up at that. I don't know. Yeah, something about it just clicked with me. It looked really good. It had, it had like Here's a crunch the, to it. This is going to sound odd, but Guacamelee 2 is a fantastic game to play in 4K HDR. But you wouldn't think that for these more simplistic indie games so to say but their lighting like these games have amazing lighting guacamelee 2 in particular wow. it's such a weird thing to think about like lighting in a 2 day 2d game but trust me if you've played the game you know mm-hmm. and uh the hdr presentation fantastic so i'm really excited 
to uh to boot this up and play it in in 4k all right uh two games that really stood out to me one was the ascent i've been beating that drum for a while top down isometric uh kind of a action rpg twin stick shooter um you know like i said has like progression elements that seem really good there are quests that you can do got verticality there's cover that you can take which is really rare for that type of game so it's a lot more interactive you're not just like moving your stick around and just shooting and that's it there's abilities you can do so there's more there Cutscenes look good facial animation look good for this type of game it's coming out sometime this year but they showed another trailer of it and i just want to say hey put this game on your radar looks awesome um they also showed up this game called moon glow bay fishing rpg they gave it a lot of attention early on and uh, i thought that was cool because typically these games don't get any stage time so at first i went all right they're giving the the small ones time to actually like show what they've got that's good but then it just like you said just went way 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 too long and it was part of it was also just really disinterested interviewers and i think that was twitch's involvement because each of the interviewers were like big twitch streamers that i think twitch went like hey you want to do this and here's some money and they they hop on for 15 minutes to do it and I don't know. I think that was partially their involvement, but overall the pacing of the show was terrible. Uh, Astria Ascending JRPG has some of the creators, uh, writer of Final Fantasy VII Remake or one of the writers of Final Fantasy VII Remake and um, also uh, whoever did the um, soundtrack of Final Fantasy XII is doing the soundtrack for this game. Turn-based JRPG, pretty rare to see on Xbox, so that was well appreciated. And Loot River. Dustin, you should look up a trailer for this game. Okay, real quick. Okay, I'm going to look that next. This Astria Ascending game, it kind of looks like Dragon's Crown. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a Vanillaware game. I was like, oh, shit. But uh, it is not. This other game, Loot River. Loot River. Yeah. There's an aesthetic to that game. I don't know how to describe it because it it really just looks like a... Oh. Um, how do I define it? You watch it. Let me know. The way I try to is you're a very vulnerable target. You have a Plague Doctor mask on. It's gory. Um, Top-down art style again. Um, And you'll see him use like a shield to protect himself, but sometimes he's not engaging in combat and often avoiding the enemies. But there are times he's like hacking up a ton of enemies. I don't know what it is, but it looks... There's that one scene, I don't know if you've seen it yet, where he kind of chops down and you see the blood dripping from his blade. Yeah. And that scene, I was like, I got to play this. That's when I had to play this. It looks amazing. There's a lot of uh, the environment moving. Like yeah. the there's you're on like a section and it it's it's hard to describe. It's like but... Tetris. Someone in the chat said it's like Tetris, but a 3D kind of beat em up. Almost. I don't know, man. It's it's something else, though. It's really different. I don't know how to describe it, but it looks it looks really cool. Yeah, definitely looks unique. But yeah, those are just some of the games that I liked. And uh, other than that, Dustin, I guess we can move on into patron questions if you don't have more to to tag on. Let's do it. All right. No, it's good. All right. Let's get into it. So who's our first write in here? Let's let's bring it up on the E-pad. All right. The E-pad? The E-pad. Oh. That sounds like something that my grandma, like my grandma, get the E-pad out, the internet pad. (laughs) 
Straw Hat Ninja is our first writing. Greetings, gentlemen. I was just wondering, what do you guys think of rhythm games? Do you have any favorites or do you mostly just ignore them? I really like Persona and Miku dancing games personally. I love rhythm games. Oh, you love them? Like, love rhythm games. Okay. I used to play... Uh, well, I would play Rock Band. And I would play oh, yeah. on guitar. I would do the vocals even. But I loved most of all the drums. Rock band drums was like my shit. I'd play on expert, try to get songs, uh, expert, like five gold stars mm -hmm. on songs. So I love that. I love dance, dance revolution. I love more modern rhythm games like beat saber. Uh, there's a new smaller rhythm game called uh spin rhythm. that's on steam. I believe it's an early access game that I've played here and there. That's very good. I am all about rhythm games, Maddie, like, really into them there's a new game actually i wanted to ask you about this um i can't remember what it's called though it's like an undertale rhythm game it's oh. like in the style of undertale let me search undertale rhythm game i'm sure it'll come up undertale rhythm game what was that doom looking rhythm game with the gun? oh bpm also very cool. good that game look cool. oh it's called everhood and it's only $10 on Steam. It has an overwhelmingly positive review. And it's very much in the style of Undertale. Which to me, it almost feels maybe a little too much like Undertale in okay. some ways from looking at the, the screenshots. But because of that overwhelmingly positive review, I think I'm going to buy this for $10. Like, why not? Yeah, I have you played like Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory? Is that like a rhythm game that's in your repertoire? I believe it's it may not be Straw Hat Ninja. Maybe it's someone else. Someone keeps asking me to play it. And they're like, Dustin, it's on sale. It's $40. I'm like, no, it's still it feels too, too expensive, expensive to yeah, me. It's got to be 20. Dude, I would maybe maybe at 2020, 25 to 30 if I was feeling like real good. Yeah, on that day or really much. wanted something but yeah to me i'm thinking that game once it hits 20 no doubt i'll buy it and play it yeah 20 i'd pick it up i've only played really persona obviously Dude. obviously guitar hero and stuff but like persona dancing that was kind of like the last rhythm game i was into i always joke about it but i really do think and i think sekiro is a rhythm game i really do you like i think you're wrong rhythm. about that it's all about rhythm in that game once you get the rhythm down, it's really hard to die. And there's obviously the mastery of their mechanics, but... You never beat it, Maddie. I, I stopped after Genichiro. That was enough for me. I don't know, man. There was a... There oh, was a it's period... really hard to die, and you're like a third of the way through a game. There, look, there was a period of time where I thought like, hey, I might want to go back and play this game. I just don't think I like it. I don't... I don't. I don't know what it is. It doesn't... It, it doesn't feel as... No, that's not the right way to put it. It didn't How do you really feel with me. It didn't click with me like I hoped it did. But then when I played it, at first there was an adjustment. And then I thought I was wrong. So then I came back. I beat Genichiro. And I was like, I don't feel the satisfaction that I felt in other Souls games and whatnot. Whoa. Yeah. And he beat me. Whoa. He beat me a decent amount of times. Um, but once I finished it, I don't know. It just, I'm, I'm being genuine when I see, I feel like the stealth takedowns and the ability for me to get into a rhythm 
kind of like took away the satisfaction because it was very easy to kind of get into my groove and not that it's an easy game just getting into that state of like comfortability which i don't think you should ever feel i got that too quickly Mm. i think that one of the very next bosses would have flipped your understanding on the head ah now i'm not you know i'm i'm being facetious with you hopefully the audience understands that i'm i'm giving you a hard time because i love second i mean I'm, you know what I mean. My I'm, I'm definitely I'm being not extra valid. I think that's the thing. Is like you've played it what multiple times. I I played a third of the game. Yeah. So no. No. Means. Yeah. I'm just I'm giving you a hard time because it's one of my favorite games. Obviously. Of course. But uh, I will say, the boss relatively close to after that, the uh, the guardian ape. Oh yeah. Is very very chaotic and very different, almost to a detriment. I would say. I've um, seen that boss before, yeah. It's funny you bring that up. Yeah, if it doesn't click with you, then it doesn't click with you. I wanted you know? it to. I was hyped for that game. I uh, It was like a day one for me. It's very rare. Like Usually I can push through, but I just, I don't know. Everything about it yeah. just wasn't working for me. Did you ever play of... Rhythm Heaven? No. I've always wanted to play that, but now I'd have to get, I'd have to get on my 3DS. A lot of people say it's great, though. I've heard. Of, oh, are you talking about like theater rhythm or whatever it's called, like the Final? Fantasy? Oh no, that's um, uh, that's that Final Fantasy game or whatever. Yeah. I think. Um, Rhythm Heaven is from the developers of WarioWare, which is what oh. makes me so intrigued about it. There was a uh, Rhythm Heaven. Um, there was some kind of collection I think they put out on 3ds. Hmm. Maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, let's. We can we can proceed. Sorry, I, I no, dragged that good. out a little longer because I was like, "Ooh, rhythm games." I dragged it out by throwing a secular opinion in there. People are gonna be like, hey, "Oh, explain your thoughts." Spicy. Bearded pandas are next. Right in salutations, Carrick. Sup, Manny, and a belated welcome to you, Dustin. I have returned after a year and a half of leaving due to financial difficulties. I never stopped listening and supporting you all and Carrick's content. Oh, you both, both of you, and Carrick's content with views and likes. Thank you, Bearded. It's great to see you here. Bearded was one of our first patrons when I started up. Nice. I've recently gotten a job able to support me and my family comfortably, albeit eating up much of my free time. So I've had to prioritize what I do when I get home. This has caused me to reevaluate what really matters to me and in turn, what I want to invest my free time in. Here's my question. Has there ever been an event in your life in the last year or two that has caused you to reevaluate your priorities or how you spend your free time. What was cut, if anything, to make room for the things you actually cared about and brought you more joy slash stress relief? Thanks for all the amazing podcasts and content, gentlemen. I hope tomorrow's the worst day of 2021 for you all. <laughs> hmm. A cut. Hmm. A cut of something. I'm trying to think. Well, I don't I feel like Maddie, maybe you and I are the same age. So I feel like we hmm. maybe are going through the same life thoughts in some way you know we're in the same era in a lot of ways but i feel like more and more i realize like probably about six to eight months ago i had a realization that it's like when i'm sitting on my phone i'm really doing nothing worthwhile and i was finding i was like wow i decided to look at my phone for 30 minutes And a week from now, I will not think about 
that experience looking at my phone. It was literally just time that floated away. I was like, I could have done something. I could have watched an episode of a show. I could have played, checked out a new game or something, which it's ironic because some people would consider both of those things time wasters. Obviously, we don't. But mm-hmm. I was just thinking more and more as my time feels like the free time I have is more valuable. How do I make that time more meaningful? And it's easy for me to slip into the easiest thing, which is like looking at my phone. That That's actually the big thing is, is looking at my phone or just being like, eh, well, nothing really feels like a strong desire to do something in particular. So I'm just going to do something really dumb. Um, so I guess it's just for me, like being mindful of my time and doing things that are enriching my life instead of just mindless. Hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a good answer for this because I think my phone is my Achilles heel, but I also, because my girlfriend and I don't live particularly close to each other, although we, we make sure to see each other once a week, until we get a place together, I do tend to hang on my phone a little bit more. And that's not like not anyone's fault. Um, it's not like she's telling me like, you can't put your phone down, you know, like, cause I could just say, Hey, I need a phone break and that's it. Um, but I just enjoy talking to her. So I hang on my phone a little bit more, but that would be my next cut for sure. Um, cause I do find myself Twitter scrolling, Instagram, YouTube check, and like just going through this cycle and I've lost, it's usually in bed. I don't usually, I don't stare at it all day. It's when I wake up. And I'm like checking the news, seeing if anything, you know, if anything popped up to disrupt my video scheduling. And then from there, I'll just keep going. And it's like, all right, I just got to find a way to stop myself. So yeah, being able to cut myself off would probably be a valuable thing for me. Um, an event in my life in the last year or two that's caused me to reevaluate. Um, I had to, uh, when I got Revan, yeah, yeah. Two years ago when we got Revan, um, You know, we knew getting a puppy and I knew getting a puppy would take time and effort, but uh, it took a lot more than I think anyone anticipated and it was stressful. And so when, you know, he like you had to really craft your day around the puppy for for well over a year, I had to make sure, you know, I was home on certain days and not home on certain days because he couldn't be alone or, or alone for an extended period of time. And so, you know, I mean, I also had my grandma who was getting progressively worse. So I spent a good eight months, uh, you know, I'd, I'd start my day. I'd start working. I'd walk the dogs and I'd leave my door open and work for my room. I couldn't even go to the studio here because around the afternoon, I'd have to go and help my grandma do all of that, be there for a little bit, then pop back in work a little bit more then help the dog. And so it wouldn't be, even though I would have worked, that would only take me a couple hours, but what happened was I just got swept up with everything. So sadly my grandma passed and I did not have that responsibility anymore. And then Revan grew up. So now I have more time. Uh, what, where what happened was I, this event happened where the free time was then created and I wasn't sure what to do because I had it all of a sudden where I was so used to, well, that sounds chaotic and it was, and it was very difficult on me. I was able to work around it cause I knew, right? Like it's all about knowing like, I know once my mom gets home at three ish is when I'm sort of let off the hook where the dogs are taken care of. And then my dad goes to my grandma's. So then that's taken care of. 
And so, but by that point, it might be too late for an upload. And so you had to sort of work backwards. But once that event was removed, for me, it was on the opposite, is when I had to restructure. And so I had to restructure again when we set up Defining Duke. And then Defining Duke Ultimate was sort of the, the, the backbreaker at one point because it was like, okay, we've got to, I had to balance four podcasts for some time um, where eventually I had to say, look, extra slice, we get, we had like 400 patrons almost and we had, we're getting like five listeners. I was like, look, no one's listening to this. It's time that I just can't be spending sitting again. Um, so a lot of things have transpired in the scheme of things that have chopped away time or created time vacuums, um, or spots that I had to fill. So, uh, I never really thought of it that way, but I appreciate this question because yeah, there was definitely a lot of, uh, working around I had to do for each of those moments. Scheduling content helps. Yes. All right. Know what all's our next write in. If Rockstar Games started a new IP, what would you like to see them do with its setting, genre, etc.? Also, what do you feel Rockstar Games needs to improve with most when it comes to their future entries? I would say just finding mm-hmm. out a way to continue these dormant IP. Man, I don't care about their new IP. I want to see some old shit. I want Bully to come back, man. No offense, know it all, but I don't, I don't want to see a new IP from them. Go, wow. go back to Bully. Go back to Bully. Call it a day. That's I've it. got the That's opposite take. Oh, okay. I want something different. I always want something different. That's I was just, I don't know. I get that. Rockstar has their own flair. They, they can do modern day with GTA. They've done Western stuff. To me, the logical next step is something futuristic, something sci-fi. I would love to see something that had that Rockstar brand of uh, gritty edginess. I don't know what you want to call it. Mm-hmm. You know, very mature stuff, rated stuff. Uh, I'd love to see that applied to some kind of sci-fi thing or something like that. So that's that would be what I would want. Sci-fi would be cool. You're like, but fuck you. I won't bully. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if, they, if they do that, I'll be pissed. All right, David Portnob's our next right in. Hi, Maddie, Carrick, and Dustin. I'm thinking of getting a new 2DS XL this year. Are there any new 2DS or 3DS games that are still stranded on the system that you would recommend picking up? This includes games that, in your opinion, play best on the new 3DS and aren't necessarily exclusives. For some background, I have very little experience with Nintendo, and the Switch is my first Nintendo console since the original DS, which I barely used. All the games uh, are on, all types of games are on the table. All right, so we appreciate that info. For those of you who ever write in, just know, like, giving us a little detail, if you're asking for game suggestions on whether what you like or what's in your collection, that type of stuff helps us narrow it down. Dustin, were you, like, a DS guy at all? Uh, yeah, I had a, a DS and a 3DS, though I don't feel like I played an incredible amount of games on them. He's asking for 3DS recommendations, right? 3DS or 2DS games, he writes, which would just be oh. D- DS. Right. Okay. Uh, here's the the games that I really enjoyed would be Ocarina of Time 3D. Fantastic way to play Ocarina of Time. Uh, Mario Kart 7 really good. But if you already have a Switch with Mario Kart 8, you probably yeah you get that. Just skip it. Uh, Super Mario 3D Land, pretty oh. fun. Uh, Is that on Switch now? Uh, 3D World. Oh, is okay. Oh, yeah. Geez. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm looking through like lists of games right now to try to remember other things. As far as DS, 
one of my faves, which I don't think you could buy this digitally, and it's hard, it's expensive. But the Soul Silver remake. Oh my god, that shit's so expensive. Awesome, yeah. really good. I still have my copy. I'm I'm so glad. Wow. That I did not get rid of it. Wow. So I'm smart very call. thankful that I have that. Smart, smart call. Yeah. Um. I wish I held on to all my Pokemon DS stuff. GameStop, yeah. man, I'm telling you. like, I'm thankful for GameStop in a weird way because I was able to play the games I that kind of define me in a lot of ways because I was able to get that trading credit and use it. And I'd usually wait for deals and stuff, so I'd get more. But, like, man, my collection would be just fucking stacked if I held on to everything. Yeah. What What about for you, Maddie? I think that's about it for me. Um, Obviously, I'm going to go straight to Pokemon on one game. Uh, Pokemon's definitely expensive to collect for, David. So these aren't high-priority but as Pokemon continues to kind of soar since the end of last year with like the trading cards hitting a second wind, um, these things will go up and sometimes down. Uh, Pokemon Conquest is about like Nobunaga's ambition and his kind of warpath on Japan, except it's a Pokemon game and it's like a tactical RPG. Really cool spinoff. I got it for 40 bucks. Last I looked, my friend was into it. And he said it was like 70 or 80. So it's gone up since the Pokemon spike. But that's one I would say keeping your eyes on. I don't know how many you want to collect. Because you're saying recommend picking up. So I don't know if you're buying them physically or not. I also got uh, I also got a really good deal on uh, Explorers of Sky. That was a Pokemon Mystery Dungeon game. That has a really good story. Um, and that was $80. But now it goes for like 150 So that's another one I benefited from. So here's what I would... I would offer you since those are big commitments for the 3ds check out for Pokemon uh, super mystery dungeon Pokemon super mystery dungeon the best Pokemon story I've played it is it is good and it is about $20 on eBay complete in box uh, $30 tops I've seen so you can get that pretty easily I would snag that now uh, before the prices start to go up Um, that is an that is an obvious one in my book. Uh, I also think of, um, what else do I have on my DS? Ooh, man. See, I'm more of a Game Boy guy. My DS was kind of a big glaring hole in some manner. I have, uh, the Naruto games. There's a, is it Ninja destiny? That was a turn-based RPG. That was a pretty good one that I really liked. Um, they have a Valkyrie Profile game, Valkyrie Profile. Uh, ooh, it's escaping my mind, but that was like fifteen bucks. Just type in Valkyrie Profile DS. It's got a red cover. Um, that was a good RPG. There was a Scooby Doo game on there. Oh, Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon. That's a good 3DS game. I like that one. Uh, Final Fantasy Explorers. If you're in a Monster Hunter mood, ten dollars. It's a Final Fantasy game structured like a monster hunter title it's got Hmm. jobs and whatnot really cheap for how good it was uh oh and last one probably the most important one i'm going to suggest for you david dragon ball fusions that game is so good turn-based dragon ball game you could fuse everyone together so think of like you could have uh, of course uh trunks and goten fusing Take any character on the Dragon Ball roster and they can fuse together into some wild combinations. And so give that a look if you like Dragon Ball. That game is awesome in my opinion. And uh, that's about 20 bucks as well. So 
Now's a good time to collect for 3DS. Things are, are in the $20 range, and it'll only start to go up as the Switch pulls away. Maddie, real quick, since we were looking up the value of games earlier. Mm-hmm. So I have Soul Silver. And do you did you own that at any point? No, I've actually never played Gen 2. Oh. Yeah. Well, so when you bought the game, it came in a larger box because it included something called the Pokey Walker. You could transfer Pokemon into this little like step counter mm. and then walk around with them and they would gain experience from walking around. Anyway, I have the actual D- case. I have the Pokey Walker and I have the box that it came in. Oh no. That's like apparently a this one some someone bought this on eBay on March 16th. It's got a fucking Dave and Buster sticker on the front. Complete. for the complete. I had no idea I was sitting on fucking gold mine there. Yeah, damn. I'm never. I'm never selling it. Never. Once you buy your Pokemon stuff, never sell it. And when you see it on a good deal, take it. That's why what I did with Explorers of Sky. When I saw it for eighty dollars, that was about twenty dollars under, and I said, "Yeah, I'm going to take this now." Eighty dollars is a lot. Maybe you don't have that on on pocket. I happened to, and I was just like, "Yeah, I'm I'm taking this right now because." I'm happy I did. I would not pay $150 for it. $80, double the price of it when it came out of launch. Not too bad, but now hard to justify 100 plus. Yeah. Quattro Quattro is our next right. And hey, guys, hope you're all doing just okay. Thank you. I know I'm late to the party, but recently I started playing a heavily modded Skyrim playthrough for the first time, and wow, I truly realized how much the modding community can help a game out. I don't think vanilla Skyrim was bad at all, but the mod support adds so much to the game, it's insane. I was also quite surprised to see how well my standard Xbox One could handle the amount of mods I was running. With that said, what games do you think could benefit from mods, and why do you think we won't see them for many games on consoles? Just imagine a series like Mass Effect with the level of mod support on console that BGS games have. Mm. I well, there- see I would like Dragon Age I would like Dragon Age not to be thirsty and get my answer like right off the rip but I was gonna say Mass Effect but Dragon Age has more flaws I use mods as flaw addressers and then adding more to it if I could like mod Dragon Age Inquisition to be giving me more power level quicker more interesting quests created by fans that give me XP to level up faster that Inquisition would be phenomenal because then there isn't a dead moment but there's so many dead moments in that game I would say Dragon Age Inquisition for sure um i don't know i'm kind of out of the mod scene i used to love mods when i was a kid it was a way that you could get more out of the games you already own right so i guess i'll take the other question which is why aren't there mods on consoles more uh than just what we've seen from bethesda and i think mainly because it's a you're opening up a big potential vulnerability by allowing people to add you know just Add, letting people add their own assets to a game, you're introducing the possibility. This is why Sony was very cautious about allowing mods on their system is because they Sony, I think maybe not more than anybody, but has had huge uh, piracy issues hmm. with almost not all their consoles, but like PSP probably one of the most hacked consoles of all time where people easily hacked it and easily downloaded out whatever, how many games they wanted. And a lot of those hacks can come from vulnerabilities within the software. So that's why they were cautious about it. 
So uh, that's probably why you don't see them as often. I'm wondering, I'm guessing the back end too, to allow. Does Bethesda go and approve all the mods in the game before they get apparently listed? Yeah, apparently they like, you know, they list them all on a storefront and they review them, but I don't know how many they really can. And there's definitely shovelware there. I think as long as it's not like illegal or, I don't know what their right. rules are on on nudity and stuff like that for their mods when it comes to like putting them on console. So I don't know that part, but um, from what I've seen, they do. But I haven't. I'll admit I have not fired up Skyrim or Fallout Four on Xbox in a while to check. Right. So, I'm but uh, yeah, on that. I think it's cool that they did it. I just would not expect many other people. To I do know it. with PlayStation, it had something to do with. I want to say their CPU or something like the the needed power to to, to the needed memory. I think might have been GPU memory or something to allow for certain mods to even function. PlayStation like could not support, or they the way their their system was constructed, they could not support it. Damn. Yeah. Sir Kaz. Hey, Duke boys and Dustin. First time in a long time and happy to be a new patron. Welcome, Sir Kaz. Ever since we learned of Microsoft's plans to purchase Bethesda, the conversation has been dominated by speculation concerning what, to what extent, sorry, Bethesda would still publish titles on PlayStation. But let's not forget, Bethesda has been a big supporter of the Nintendo Switch, even going so far to get some of their biggest AAA games running on the handheld, including Doom Eternal, just a couple of months ago. With Microsoft showing they are willing to publish games on Switch in certain cases, like Ori and Cuphead are the main ones I can think of, which, if any, Bethesda games or franchises do you believe still have a shot at releasing on the Switch in the future? It's a very good point. Uh, As far as games, what franchises? Um, I, You know how... Sony's approaching the PC, what they've said, how it's kind of their second win, right? The game's dormant. They're like, yeah, we're not getting any sales, so we're just going to sell it on PC now. I think that's Nintendo in some ways for Xbox, right? For games that make sense. I don't know if that means you'll see Wolfenstein 3 or... uh, I don't know if Microsoft will have a play in this, but Deathloop on Switch. I don't know if you're going to see stuff like that, but sorry, what were you going to say? Well, I was just thinking that we've seen a lot of these Switch ports from Bethesda games, but I'm wondering if that era, I mean, we have the Switch Pro coming, but it already seemed like those those games kind of barely squeaked by on the Switch, and now we have next-gen games. I just don't know if they're going to be able to downscale them that much. Yeah. But Maddie, I think your idea about their approach of like games getting their second wind on Switch. And that's why I don't know. Part of me is like, dude, imagine Master Chief Collection on Switch. I know it's not Bethesda, but I'm like, Microsoft would maybe be wild enough to do that. And I think it would be great. Imagine Master Chief Collection on Switch. Imagine having everyone together to play Halo and all you need is your Switch. And then eventually Halo Infinite comes back and everyone's like, oh, dude, playing Halo, they remember. It was so accessible to play together. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's crazy talk because Halo is one of their most valuable IPs. But I feel like it would be such a good buzz for that IP that would get people even more excited. I feel like the Master Chief Collection is old enough now 
or at least the trilogy from Bungie is old enough now where porting that would not hurt Xbox or their brand. I think it would actually only stand to help them, quite honestly, because maybe people aren't in love with Halo enough to buy an Xbox, but if they can buy the Switch collection and play it and be like, wait, wow, this is pretty good. I could totally see like Saber Interactive doing a port of Master Chief Collection. You know, they did a great job with, um, what was the game? Witcher 3. Um, they added even graphical options to it. And so I could totally see them doing something like that. I think there was a rumor for a while about that. Separate from when there was a update on the Microsoft like flight thing for, uh, for uh, Master Chief Collection. They said like a new place and way to play. And people thought, oh, this is going to be it. But there was no way they'd tease it there. Um, but I, I do think they're crazy enough to do it. And I think they will do it one day. I don't think PlayStation, I know that they talked about that at one point. They thought about it, but I think they'll do Nintendo. I think, cause right. here's the thing. It would, it could actually be very powerful if they said Halo Infinite's dropping this fall and they, this might sound crazy. We're shadow dropping Halo Master Chief Collection on Switch. So you can get it. Let's say it's June. You can get it now. When that holiday push happens now, you can get that crossover, man. And that's important. Be able to like get a Switch owner, go, oh yeah, Halo and Switch, that's cool. It's all right. I'm going to buy this, play it, go, I like this. I want more. To go over to Xbox. I mean, I think there's something powerful about that. That almost helps market itself, in my opinion. So while it sounds crazy, I think it could help them in a way. I just don't see anyone like who has a Switch that buys Master Chief Collection and is like, oh, well, now I don't need to buy Halo Infinite. Like, it's how would it hurt them? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like you said, it would only create synergy between the products, you'd have to imagine. Yeah. As for Bethesda games, I mean, to me, it really depends on their size. Like, Starfield, that's not going to... I can't fathom that coming to the Switch. I don't know how big it's going to be, but if it's being built... You know, the rumor is next-gen only. Um, and that's not coming from, like, a source of mine, like, Todd kind of suggested that it's possible it's going to be next gen only. They don't know they didn't know at that time. If it's going to end up being next gen only, it's not going to squeeze onto the switch. I don't know what this new switch oh. is going to do, but with the with the uh, upscaling and whatnot. But even then, I don't think it'll be enough to run the game. Um, we'll see on that though. So honestly, it's going to be a a, a case by case thing. Because then again, I, I I mean, Doom Eternal is a little more compact, but still, I wouldn't have said even that could be a switch game. I thought that was going to get shut down because they delayed it and went silent and then it came out and it was actually a good port. So I could be wrong on that. We'll see. Shogun Flames up next. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hope you all are having a great day today. A question of today comes from when Carrick said that Maddie is a baby skin wearing killer. What kind of killers would y'all be? Uh, wait, hold on. What kind of killers would y'all be if you could have supernatural, power, supernatural powers like Freddy and Jason or could you be a normal killer like Ghostface? Happy hunting. Do we skip this? I do, I don't feel comfortable. This question is a little weird. Yeah, I just I don't. Uh, I would be nothing, bro. I don't fantasy. I mean, having powers, a power fantasy, sure. None of my powers fantasies have involved killing anybody, though. Yes, same, Dustin. Let's move on. 
<laughs> Felix Check is our next write-in. Good evening, gents. First of all, I want to congratulate you, Maddie, and Carrick for the success of Defining Duke and Dustin for the incredible work he's doing on Last Stand Media and the growth of his Twitch channel. Maddie, Thank a few you. months ago, you suggested me to take a look at Balan Wonderworld. Oh, no. When we were talking about 3D platformers. The demo was mediocre, mediocre at best. Too bad since it's coming uh, to some uh, from some of the original developers and minds of Sonic. This week, you said that Uplay Plus is possible to come to Game Pass. Do you think that Ubisoft may decrease their offered benefits because of the price you could get for season pass and DLC of games? Sorry for the long post. I won't wish you a mediocre day this time. Weekend's coming. Enjoy it. You guys deserve it. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Felix. And um, Felix, if this is the same Felix from from YouTube who popped off with Super Chats. Is that you, Felix Tease? Yeah. Oh, he's one of my viewers. One of my... Uh, yeah, I don't know if... My viewers. Because we have Felix Check here, and I don't know if that's the same Felix... Either way, I just want to make sure if that was the same Felix. Like, that was insane. Felix went hard. Well, um, yeah, Balan Wonderworld, I, I feel bad about because, like, that game does look really good, but apparently the demo's terrible and, and the game's pretty much being sent out to die now. You got to wonder why they even did the demo. Mm. You know, it seems like it hurt it more than anything. It did because I was totally going to pick that up. I was not a big 3D platformer guy. But that game looked like it had a magic to it. I was totally sold on it. I did not need to see more. And then they put out the demo and I went, wow. Wow, this is not good. I think what maybe the developers were hoping is get the demo out, get feedback, and hope it's loud enough where where Square would delay it. But they're not delaying it. And they said there's a big day one patch that's going to fix things. But apparently there are things like baked into the mechanics of bosses that just can't be patched that like would need reworking. Yeah. So I was trying to see what the reviews, because it's out today hmm? holy shit that game's 60 dollars oh my god it's out today That's holy a... shit what yeah i'm i'm pretty sure it's out today yeah it is it's the 26 balan wonder world now no they, reviews they gave out reviews credit. yeah no i got contact yesterday now that i think about it, i got a contact yesterday about a code for shame how dare they that is unacceptable i'm sorry i mean there's not reviews on day one. Like, I just find Dreamcast like we, at Handsome Phantom, I see one right at now. Handsome Phantom, we have a policy that we do not review games if the code is only given to us at launch. Like, no. <sighs> yeah, that game's a real shame, man. I, I I was really pulling for it too. What do you uh what do you make of uh Ubisoft decreasing their benefits to maybe roll into Game Pass? I don't know if you heard that rumor. Uh I talked yeah. about it in a video uh, of Uplay Plus coming into Game Pass. Uplay Plus gives you like day one access to their games. I was saying, man, if you're Xbox, you might want to pay that bill because Ubisoft always releases shit in the fall. And to be able to say, like, hey, we got Halo, Starfield, and then like every Ubisoft game if you're a Game Pass member is day one. Right. Yeah, I mean that saves you a lot of money. Um, yeah i don't there's gotta be extra money there i feel like i don't know how xbox does that without increasing the price tag of game pass well i think that inevitably the price of game pass has to go up i think still in that introductory in induction period mm. where eventually it will go up i like without a shadow of doubt i like it's like netflix netflix always goes up you know as I just I don't see how they can operate 
so long. And that's usually how these models work is that they get everyone invested. People get comfortable and they're like, wow, I love this service. It's a great deal. <laughs> it's so great that I'd be willing to spend more. And they're like, okay, let's do that. Because I think a lot of people <laughs> are there. $15 a month. Would you pay $20 a month for a Game Pass, Maddie? Uh, yeah, yeah, I would. It's worth $20 a month, isn't it? I would say so. Here's the thing. If they keep up the third-party day one deals, I would say it's worth it for 20 Yeah. I think that they will eventually raise it to 20 for sure. Yeah. But um, as far as Ubisoft, um, I think it would have to work somehow kind of like EA does in that you get EA's back catalog and not their new releases. So I could yeah. see something like that for Uplay. But that's probably the best guess. All right, Natural Calamities up next. Hey there, gents. Hope you're having a dreadfully dull day topped with sprinkles of mediocrity. Lately, I've been trying to get back into my instrument playing the drum kit, but I have a flaw that I've been looking past for years, and I want some advice from you chaps. I usually can stick at something for about a few weeks, and then I fall behind, start slacking, and start to routine, uh, or, or start, I'm sorry, slacking, and really fail to start my routine. So the question is, what can I do to stay in routine, whether it be working out or getting on the drum kit or sticking to a darn diet? Next, I have a question for Maddie. This question will destroy you, but you have to make a choice. You have to, cho you have to choose your fate for your favorite franchises. You have to pick a well-made TMNT game that lives up to the hype of the last Ronin-style storyline. Oh, no. Or a KOTOR sequel. Everything you could ever want from Star Wars in one game. Make your choice. Hmm. I'm not ready to make that. Let's answer his first question. Uh, mm. All right. How do you stay in a routine, Dustin? As a hard-working guy, how are you doing it? I don't. <laughs> no. Oh. It's well, it is weird because I feel like I can only keep so many routines straight, you know? Mm -hmm. So like I have a very good work routine that has uh brought me success uh throughout the months and I'm very proud of that. Other things, I do not have as much discipline that I would like. Like, I wish that I had discipline to, I don't know, uh, wake up at the same time every day or eat better or, you know, there's any all kinds of things that people want to self-improve and do. Um, a lot of them I'm not particularly great at so i guess it's kind of like you got to take things uh one thing at a time don't try to do all the self-improvement tips at once because you will burn out start with one thing like there's a again this is not a thing i'm good at do not do do as i say not as i do but there's a thing where it's like start small every day when you wake up make your bed it's not that hard but it's starting to get into a flow of having discipline of making your bed and then maybe after you make your bed you can have uh add another morning routine thing to that just something little get getting used to it right yeah i don't know if i could add anything more to that because my answer was just going to be like it's raw discipline like i don't know if you teach yourself it you just have to almost force yourself to do things at times I, like for me with working out, yeah, there's plenty of days I don't want to exercise, but you just fucking do it because otherwise you break the routine and you break the flow of it all. And you need that routine. You need that steadiness. So that's a way better answer than I would have given. So 
I don't know if I can add one more. thing. I'll add one thing real quick, Maddie, sure. and that is you have to be honest with yourself. For example, uh, when the times I've tried to eat healthy, like I'll go on a streak where I'm like, okay, I'm cutting back, going to try to lose some pounds or whatever. Don't buy yourself cookies at the grocery store if you know you don't have the self-control to not eat them. I know myself. I specifically like, and I do this now, even though I'm not currently on like a diet or any kind of eating healthy streak, I do not buy myself like Oreos or Girl Scout cookies because I know that I don't have the perseverance to not eat them. Mm -hmm. I make it so if I want a treat or something like that, I have to go and make a special trip. I need to go to the gas station or the local store to buy that one item. I put a barrier between myself and that in order to avoid doing it because I'm also know myself and that I'm lazy. Use your laziness to your advantage to get the thing to stop you from doing things you don't want to do. Very good. Yeah. Holy crap. That's I I didn't even think of the barrier thing, but I intentionally do that because my mom is, it it will, will like, come home and she'd be like look what i got and she gave me like lays dills pickle dill pickle chips which i'm like yo this shit's so good so i stash it in my room and i'm like what am i doing i was like i won't eat them and eventually like just bags gone I'm like fuck yep fuck so yeah the, put that and that's up. and it works the barrier thing works the opposite way that it's like oh i want to learn to play guitar i want the discipline Lower the barrier between you and picking up the guitar. If the guitar is in a case, if it's tucked away in a closet and you think, I want to practice, then your mind will make an excuse and say, well, then I have to get it out. I'm going to tune in and do all this stuff. Figure out a way to lower the barrier. Maybe get a stand that you can put the guitar out. So it's out all the time. So literally all you have to do is grab it. And that can apply to any other types of things that you want to do. lower the barrier or increase the barrier to things you don't want to do. There it is. I would pick a KOTOR sequel. All right. (laughs) Mac the knife. As we, (laughs) as we head into our final questions of the show, is it me or is it hard to go back to some old Xbox one and PS4 games that were never built for 4k? I feel like they look grainy and washed out. It's insane. What a 4k coat of paint can do for an old game. Red dead looked amazing with backwards compatible 4k update. And even the force unleashed and splinter cell look impressive. One, what are some games that you wish they go back and update with 4k enhancements for me? For me, I feel like Mad Max lost odyssey and dying light are graphically impressive games that would look insane with a 4k update number two any idea what holds back companies from not updating the resolution and rolling out 4k versions for their old games i can very easily answer what game i want maddie i already know it bloodborne it's time do the update that digital foundry video clearly can be done yeah it can be done make it happen sony from software make it happen The other question, why don't these happen? Why don't companies just go do this? It's a cost-benefit analysis. It's like, okay, no matter what, there's a team that needs to go do this. It needs to go through QA. There's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that probably needs done in order to make this happen. It's not always as easy as flipping a switch. Mm -hmm. So they have to consider how much money is it going to cost us to make this update, and is it worth it for us? whether it's in customer satisfaction or new sales or something like that. And in some cases they may just think, Nope, nope. it's not worth it. 
Yeah, exactly that. Um, because it what does game take for you though, time. Maddie. I would. Uh, I hate to bum off of Max List, but Lost Odyssey would be my pick. I mean, because the game, I played it on my One S before the Series X came out. I played it in September, and I adored that game. It's so good. But more than anything is when I was playing it, I didn't know when it had come out, Dustin. So I was very much in my head thinking, this looks like a 2012 game or something. It's very, But impressive for its time type of 2012 game. And then I look it up, and it came out in 2008. And I was like, this game looks fantastic for when it released. It's not even funny. And so the cutscenes in that game are great. The models look great. The environments even to some extent look pretty good. I would love to see them update that game and bring it to Game Pass. Um, 60 FPS for it would be amazing too. It would pull me right back in. It'd be Oh my God, it'd be over. Um, highly recommend people who haven't yet give Lost Odyssey a look, but that one would be at the top of my Xbox list for games that need an update. Bringing stuff back, of course, I'd say, like, give me Resistance, give me Infamous, like I mentioned earlier. But in the terms of a 4K update, like a game that looks good, that could look insane. Like, literally, I'm kidding. I'm not even kidding, Dustin. It would look like a modern game. It would visually look well, like... They, oh, my God. They've shown that they can do that. Yeah. They can do those, the 4K backwards compatibility, so... Yeah. And I imagine with, like, AI upscaling and stuff, that might also be why they're holding back some companies because maybe it's going to be a lot easier to do. And so perhaps they're not digging in too deep if there's a artificial way to accomplish this where their game does look better and it doesn't cost them a lot of money. That'd be my guess. All right. Last question of the show, and then we wrap this up. comes from Chin Giz. Hello, gents. Hope you find today to be the most utmost and dull or i'm sorry hope you find hope to find you in those utmost mediocre and dull day there we go i'm just having this crossover joke has really gone hard this episode yeah right this is all defining duke stuff and i'm like like, (laughs) hey we'll roll with it i will only wish our defining duke listeners the most mediocre day but i digress with some games being pushed to 2022 and games like Halo Infinite and Starfield being rumored to be pushed back too, it seems more likely that 2021 will be one of the more boring years uh, for games that we've had recently. What are your thoughts and what would you recommend to do to make this year less dull? It's backlog time, maybe. That's oh, what, yeah. 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 It's backlog time or it's time to check out smaller games that you normally would skip over because there's mm-hmm. bigger games. And here's the thing, Maddie. You said this, I believe on defining duke or some other thing i I believe it was you that said it this year's about to uh heat up very Mm -hmm. soon because we've got uh the near remake slash remaster whatever you want to call it we got returnal uh we got ratchet and clank uh we got resident evil i mean this is all within like a month so we're definitely and dude, Monster Hunter is out today. I mean, that's a that's a yep. big one too. Obviously, these games. Oh, and in May, Deathloop. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. There's it's about to get crazy very soon. So uh, yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, write off this year too soon. Take advantage of the 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 time now to play whatever you want. This is like honestly, I'm loving the fact that there hasn't been any big new releases. It's like 
I feel uh, relieved in a way. Yeah, it's funny because I've almost stacked up more games to play in my backlog since because I've just gone on like buying sprees and, and just like game collecting. And I'm like, oh, I can play this. I can play this because I think I have this infinite time. And then Monster Hunter's release date kind of snuck up on me. And then, you know, we're going to be taking a look at um, at uh, Disco Elysium this month. And so, yeah, just a, I want to finish Final Fantasy Nine. I want to finish Gears 5. So I need to wrap up Final Fantasy Nine and Gears 5 big time. Uh, to feel like I have moved on from my backlog days as we approach, like you said, a lot of new games coming out. But yeah, for the time being, Chin, legit, just dig into that backlog, man. There are so many great games that you definitely missed. You can write in again on whether it's Defining Duke or uh, here on Ham Radio. You can ask us questions on that uh, based off your taste and whatnot, kind of like what we did earlier uh, with um, with David. Um, we'll, we'll happily help you because... There are so many games that we could sit here and suggest, and we suggest all show, but uh, that'll be for another episode. Here's the suggestion. I'll just give one, because I hear all the time people say, I want to play Persona 5, but it's too long, and there's too many other games. I can't fit in this long game. Now's the time, bitch. Mm -hmm. Persona 5 Royal. Don't. I know it's free. I know Persona 5 is free. Don't. Don't do it. Don't. Go play Royal. Yep. And I think that's a fantastic way to end the sh- end end the show. There, I agree. Play Persona Five Royal. I agree. So, if you got this far and you want to let us know, use the hashtag Carrick's Internet. Uh, go ahead and just <laughs> tag him. Let him know his internet's ass. Uh, other than that, Dustin, any final words for episode two ninety six, or shall we we wrap this one up? Final words, Maddie. I'm glad that we could be together mm. podcasting on this Friday evening. Yes, indeed. I just want to just tell you that i've been on i'm no longer i i would hope that i'm no longer the new guy no. on this show at this point i know that some people in the in the comments may be like who's this other guy who's this other guy let's just that's fine you can get to know me now yes. uh by going to my twitch page now um <laughs> no but i just want to say that I've, I've i've been enjoying um being on this show i enjoy it as part of my weekly routine and i'm i'm thankful that you've given me this opportunity wow. And that you and I have been able to really grow together as creators. I, I heard you talking about how uh, Defining Duke has been kind of like a, I don't want to say a rebirth of your career, a new a new step. Yeah, And uh, sure. I feel like you've been able in some way to do that for me. So oh, that's awesome um, to hear. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling especially this, this last month, maybe because it's spring, it's getting, it's warm outside. I feel a lot of optimism across the board on on all the different projects that i'm a part of so awesome well it's my pleasure you know i knew you were really good at what you did and i told you when you joined you make things better you did our show is better because of you so thank you more than happy to have you on and um yeah man here's to another good year of this show last year was fun so i'm sure it can only get better that's right all right ladies and gentlemen we appreciate you tuning in and we hope to see you all next week. Maybe it'll be three of us this time. We'll see. It's becoming a, it's becoming a precious resource, it seems. But uh, yeah, provided Carrick's tech is in sync, it should be all three of us this week. Uh, so with that, we will catch all of you then. And take good care of yourselves, all right? Peace out. See ya.